Hello, boys and girls, and welcome to episode 10 of Creepy Kitch, take two. Yeah, it's the second time we've done this episode. Yeah, you better appreciate our, our, our deep-seated devotion to assaulting your ears with profanity, because nice. we had a, an episode all recorded, and GarageBand, true to form, aborted all over my fucking hard drive. I should actually say that we're going to try to, like, tighten this one up and make it a little, you know, cleaner. But, because the last episode ran, like, two and a half hours to three hours, but... Well, let's I make no promises. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, don't tell lies. I'm in a talkative mood, and I had a glass of wine. She's had her podcast juice. I'm drinking the podcast juice. There you go. <laughs> and I gotta try to remember all the shit we talked about. I know. That's the And I noticed we have a, a Metal Mikey email, too. Yes, we do. I want to read so. that one. It's my turn. Okay, it's your turn to read the Metal Mikey. Hold yeah. the bull. Do you want to read that at the end of the podcast? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying write okay. this second. I'm just saying it's my turn to read one. Okay, well, it's your turn to read, so be my guest because I read the last one. Okay, hang on. It's I'm all gonna... yours. So, uh, our theme this week is, and last week, was <laughs> Lister's Choice. And well, we, did you want to go back and redo our weekly fuck off and all that fun stuff? Right. I'm just giving like a little update, basically. Okay. And then we'll do the whole. The I'm just usual. making sure. I don't... Right, right. Oh, our podcast at work. Let's just talk. I know. Talk. We're so professional. I know. Wait, what are we doing? <laughs> oh, no. Let's talk Who about our moves. I'm on my period. Let's talk about that. I'm going to talk about making out with other chicks. <laughs> no, we're not. That was for you, Quincy. That was for you, Quincy. It'll yeah, never happen. God love him. Uh, God love the Quince. Because Cindy and I are probably the only two women on the internet who don't identify as bisexual. Yeah, I think so. I, I come across as pretty fucking straight, I'm pretty sure. I'm, yeah, I know I'm straight. But, you know, everybody I'm, else on uh, in the internet gonna... is like, oh, I'm bisexual. But only, I'm only... not feeding into anyone's uh, fantasies that there's a chance that the two of us get together and make out no. and, you know, slap each other around with dildos. I am no. so not doing it. No. It doesn't happen. I'm no. sorry, Quincy. I know you really want to believe that it does, but it doesn't happen. No. <laughs> I might wiggle one at her in self-defense, but that's about it. Well, sure. I might, for example, I don't know, put my vibrator in my mouth and sing The NeverEnding Story to them on sashy cast but you won't be hearing any of that here <laughs> you listened to our last episode I see. yes i did I, you guys haven't checked your voicemail i see uh not lately no but yeah. i haven't been on the podcast i missed last week because i was out of town you might want to tell roy to check his voicemail i'm just saying i will let him know I'm oh by saying. the way i want to send out i know he probably doesn't listen to this podcast or even know who the fuck i am but i want to say thank you to the southwest pilot who found my sketchbook that i yes. left on the plane we love you, Southwest Pilot. Thank you. I think his name is Jeff, and he has a wife in Portland that teaches yoga. Well, that's good for him. That I means she's flexible. happened to suddenly find this podcast by doing a search on my name. Thank you, sir, for finding my sketchbook and emailing me and saying, I think I found your sketchbook. Would you like to send it back to me? Because like an asshole that I can be. I was on a plane, and I left my fucking sketchbook on the plane and didn't realize it until I was completely away from the airport, like 40 minutes away. And then I totally thought it was gone forever. Amen. Gone. Oh, my God. That's over a year's worth of artwork that I worked on. It's gone. Nope. Mr. Jeff found it. Yay. Thank you, sir. And if you are not a pilot from Southwest and just use this as a trick to uh, get my address... I own a gun, and I have a very angry husband who will hit you with his penis. That's true. He will. I've seen it. Yeah. He'll rest it tenderly on your shoulder. I've seen it happen. It's frightening. Yeah, it's horrible. You you won't recover But if you are that. a pilot, thank you. Yes. <laughs> yes. 
We love you. We love you. Cindy loves you with mouth. But, you know, in in that I love you, in that uh, you're a stranger sort of way. (laughs) I love love you. I know what that means. I love you from a comfortable, safe distance. (laughs) All right. So, um, what do you want to get started with? Well, shall we follow the usual format? Let's follow the usual format and start all over again. All right. Shall we start with the fuck off, or do you want to start with a horror crush? Why don't we start with horror crush? Okay, you go first. Okay, my horror crush, which I said last episode, which nobody heard. That's true. uh, Was Anthony Hopkins. Ah, yes. Because he's one of my, he's in my old man stable of old man that I have a crush on. Right. Well, you know, um, there's a movie he was in in the 1970s called Magic. Have you ever seen it? No, I haven't seen that one. He's uh, he's a ventriloquist, and it's a it's like a psychological thriller. He's pretty hot in it. He's batshit insane, but he's pretty hot in it. But that's why I like it when he plays batshit right. insane. This is back when he still had brown hair. <laughs> oh my white. god, that must be an old movie. Yeah, and Anne Margaret's in it too. It's really good though. I would recommend it. I'll just Anne Margaret. Yeah. Wait, I had to like rewind there for a minute. Yeah. I can't picture those two together. Yep, and he's got this freaky motherfucking uh, dummy that looks just like him. <clears throat> that, if I remember correctly, caused him the occasional fit in the middle of the night because it's really fucking creepy. Oh, God. Yep. Nice. Yep. Yeah, I absolutely love him. I've always been a fan of him as an actor. Um, I was a fan of him. Yeah, I, I loved him in Silence of the Lambs. I actually, my favorite movie that he did was actually um, Bram Stoker's Dracula as Van Helsing. Right. Uh, I mean, it's not my favorite movie he ever did, but it's my one of my favorite movies horror quote unquote horror films he's done is when he played Van Helsing I, I don't know well that movie in some ways acting wise with Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder that side of the film needed all the help he could get so thank god he was there yeah but man line. Gary Oldman in that movie was 17 different flavors of hot he was and I don't even like the long haired brooding vampire types but cool, damn but he was man lickable. yes yes in fact you know i was thinking about that movie just the other day because uh, in my renaissance and reformation history class yeah um we were discussing you know the various artists so we talked about like Raphael and michelangelo and uh, uh, leonardo da vinci and uh and so, you know, those are all sort of the Italian Renaissance. And then there was the Northern Renaissance um, artists. And there was a man named, uh, I think it was Albrecht Dürer, mm-hmm. who was like the artist of the North. He was German. And he yeah. did a self-portrait that I think they used. There's a, there's a, uh, there are a couple of scenes, you know, they, they would pull like visual tricks in the movie Dracula. Yeah. Where as the scene was fading out, you'd see an image of something else. And there yes. was a portrait of Vlad Tepish that I think was modeled very heavily around this self-portrait of Durer. So every time oh. I see that portrait, I keep thinking of Gary Oldman in his weird sinew armor. So, Dude, well, I love the costume designer for that. Whose yeah. name completely eludes me right uh, now. It's someone book Japanese. Eiko? Eiko, thank you. Yeah. Uh, she's like my fucking hero. I have an entire book on her work. Um, I actually, actually oh, go goes from the cell all the way back to her opera work. She was actually a designer for opera. Uh-huh. Her work is fucking like breathtaking. Oh yeah. I she had amazing. I had an opportunity actually one time at a half price books that's no longer even open to get, it was an art book of her costuming for Dracula. Oh, I know that book and, and I wanted it so I, bad, but I, actually I ended up not of, getting it and I'm kicking myself for it. 
Dude, I saw that when the movie came out, and I wish I could have gotten. But the cool part is, is the Aiko book I bought has a lot of those pictures that were in that book. Right, with the in the, the Aiko book, the costume on the set. Yeah. There was nobody in it. Yeah. yeah, and they had like the pictures. The one I just flip out of. I mean, everyone kind of makes a big deal about. Well, the armor, the armor, which was cool. I've seen the armor in person. It's fucking amazing. Right. But if you saw those bustle dresses she made, the snake dress and the ivy dress, the one right. that was for um, was it Lucy and Mina, yeah. respectively. Right. Oh my god, those are the most breathtaking outfits I have ever seen. Yeah, the snake dress in particular. I love the snake dress, oh my god! I want to wear that. Yeah, that movie is just eye candy, man, start to finish. I totally just want to walk around my house in that dress. Oh, so do I. Look at me, bitches! I'm personally of the opinion that, you know, sometimes you just want to put on a corset and a bustle, and even if all you're going to be doing is washing the the dishes and sitting on your ass and watching Spongebob. Well... I plan to actually be making a um, bustle dress. Oh, really? Soon, so. Well, cool. When you figure out how yeah. to do it, make me one. Um, I will do my best. This might take a while, though. <laughs> I have faith in your abilities. It's gonna, it's gonna be long. So, <laughs> so what are you, are gonna you making? Work my it, way up to it. Are you making it just for shits and giggles to see if you can, or what? Pretty much, yeah. I'm gonna wear it to a steampunk com. Hope for the best. Best. Awesome. Goes. Awesome. Uh, uh, Lord. So, what's your horror crush? Hang on. There's something very cold in my mouth. Okay. And well, I'll okay. 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 Yeah. Right. Sorry, there I have cracked go. tooth, so I have to be careful when I eat cold things. Oh uh, yeah. Or else it's an adventure in pain. And yet but it... now you all know what it sounds like when uh, um, she's eating an ice cube or whatever the hell you're That's crunching true. on. Uh, frozen chocolate milk, actually. There you go. So now you all know what that sounds like. Yep. You're welcome, internet. That's one more question <laughs> in a long list of questions about Stacy that can be checked off. Oh, yes. And you're welcome. So my horror crush is the same as my previous horror crush, which is fitting, given you know, one of the movies we're discussing. And that's Oliver Reed. Yep. Sorry. Delicious, delicious Oliver Reed. The man was a sexy barrel of thuggish hot. <laughs> thuggish hot. Well, I love think that. about that's it. Actually, no, seriously, that's the best adjectives you can think yeah, of to describe I mean, Oliver Reed as thuggish. It's the same thing with uh, Robert Mitchum. Yeah, yeah. Thuggish hot. The brute, basically. Yes. Ah, oh, the delicious brute. The brooding brute. I mean, think of him as Bill in uh, Oliver. Oh, yeah. And that's I like, hate that musical, that's by like the way. That's but... quintessential uh, Oliver Reed. Mm-hmm. Especially when he beats his uh, wife to death at the end. No, I <laughs> yeah, keep. Well, I technically, keyed. they weren't really, you know, Whatever. Like they were just fuck buddies. They were but... fucking. Hey, what can you do? Them's with shagging. Ah, uh, Yes. <laughs> no, it's healthy relationships guys. come and go but yeah well it's more than that it's it there was something about like his his expression was so perpetually dour like i don't think he necessarily was a dour i mean i've, I've heard he was kind of an asshole in real life but gosh darn it if that doesn't just add to his charm um <laughs> i joke if you treat me like shit i will kick you in the balls anyway so uh I'm I, whatever but you know he, he he had a real problem with alcohol and yeah. And apparently he had some pretty fucking old-fashioned uh, notions of, of how to treat a lady. Well, uh, that doesn't surprise me. He looks the type. Well, apparently he wouldn't allow his wife to work. Oh my god, okay, that's a little Neanderthalish. <laughs> well, I mean, she obviously went along with it. It's not like she couldn't have gotten out of the relationship, but... Well, hey, it's... Uh, if, if, I mean, if, if that's your thing, more power right. to you, I guess. I, I get the impression, I mean, my examination of his past is pretty cursory, but I, I get the impression that he was very much of the, you know... Victorian men, era. Men bring home the the bacon. You know, women are are there to comfort and fuck, basically. 
Thank you, Oliver Reed. <laughs> and uh, I agree with the second tenet of that. I will agree with that, too. I will yeah. totally, yeah. He's fuckable. Infinitely fuckable. It's those steely blue eyes well, and the he had those. Well, he had those eyes, and then he had that dour expression. And so it's like he had these, like, burning, like, sexually charged eyes, and then the face of, like, a pissed-off school teacher. And I think it just <laughs> it just ties into, that. like, every fantasy a girl ever had about, you know, maybe her hot teacher bending her over the, the desk and spanking her with yep. the ruler. And I don't mean the uh, yardstick, or maybe I do. <laughs> Size does matter, guys. Size does matter. Oh, dude. But, I mean, yeah, couldn't you totally okay, see that? Like, I'm going to be thinking things all night. Like, imagine, imagine Oliver Reed, you know, like Oliver Reed circa burnt offerings, which we'll be talking about later. And, like, yeah. you know, like, like a Victorian school teacher, you know, with, like, the high stiff collar, the starch collar. Oh, he's totally, he's got that total look to him. Right, and you could just totally imagine him going to town on one of his students over the desk. Petticoats <laughs> up over her head, feet flailing in the air. And now you all know what goes on in Stacy's mind. Pretty much. He's like the dude. 24-7. He's like, he's the dude equivalent of housewife in the, or housewife in the kitchen, whore in the bedroom. He's like yeah. the guy equivalent yeah, I of that. I see that. And, you know, and then he tended to play like Lotharios and things like that. And I mean, the man just dripped sexual menace. He did. And you know, I think that's why he plays that uh, a threatening character so oh, well. Oh, yeah, I mean, totally. And I'm not saying he's a bad actor. He actually is extremely good at playing, um, you know, at playing just about anything. Right. But he does have that sexual predator. Yes. You know what, what role I would have loved to have seen him in? Petruchio in The Taming of the Shrew. Would he have just been Oh, fucking... my God. He would have been yes. so good. He would have been fucking perfect in that role. I think he would have been good. I really do. Because you need to have a little bit of a predator about you. Oh, yeah. Petruchio, he was a total poon hound. Oh, yeah. I love Taming of the Shrew. That was my thesis. Oh, really? Yeah, I really yeah, love that. My Yeah, my thesis was, and I actually keep claiming I'm going to upload it so people can read it because I have a PDF form of it. Right. But, yeah, my, my thesis was on ta- my costume design for Taming of the Shrew. I absolutely actually, love that play. Send me that since, you know, I'm heading to graduate school and we'll have to write I my will. Thesis, I actually have the so. PDF. I'll just send it to you via Gmail. So. Go for it. That would be awesome. And if you want to read my thesis. <laughs> <laughs> well, since I'm going to graduate school, it seems like it may not be a bad idea to familiarize myself with the process. Oh, yeah, actually, everyone congratulate Stacy. She's going to graduate school. Yeah, well, I submitted my application. I haven't been accepted yet. Everyone but... send her good vibes so she can go to graduate school. Yes, please, considering the amount of money I just fucking shelled out to try and get oh, into graduate no. school. In there. I know how you feel. $240. It sucks, I know. But, hey, when you go through grad school, when it's all done, it's awesome. Yeah, I bet. I'm just going to be honest with you. <laughs> when it's all done, it's great. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> So weekly fuck off. Yep, but just, start? just saying. I mean, I think I'll write my thesis on why I wanted to tap Oliver Reed's ass. I think you totally. I you can totally should. write it in like a total hundred page thesis on that bullshit. Oh fuck yeah! And then when they go to defend it, I'll just like have pictures of him, and I'll be like, note the blue eyes. Especially note the, <laughs> note the blue eyes when he's wearing glasses. You need to have like an entire like chart of him, and then just like arrows pointing to yep. like blue eyes, square jaw, yep. barrel chest, without being too built. Yes, <laughs> brooding temperament, Literally, sort of yeah, a like, phantom of the his, opera like, without brow. the half mask. <laughs> this is Oliver Reed in a Victorian outfit. Why Hot. note the fuckability? <laughs> exactly, <laughs> Oliver Reed dressed as Bill from uh, Oliver. Yes, sexy. 
sexy. <laughs> okay, so shall we move on to the weekly? I fuck think off? we should move. On. Okay, so my weekly well, we fuck off. Entire thesis tonight. <laughs> I changed my weekly fuck off from what we had. Well, because, it was lit, getting a little dramatic last yeah, time. Yeah, so. well, it was aimed at the uh, self-proclaimed communist in class, but he apologized and said he hadn't meant to come across as a dickhead, so. Well, at least he apologized right. and didn't mean to come across. Thank you, thank you, uh, self-proclaimed communist. Yes, I, I still you. think communism is crap, but. I oh, do. we lost some readers. Okay. I <laughs> just, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm not even going to go into it. <laughs> we'll talk about it after the podcast. We'll talk about it after we record. <laughs> anyway. So this, however, does come from a, a class incident. Uh, we were having a, an in-class discussion last week, at the beginning of last week. And uh, there's a guy in my class who, he seems like he's a nice guy, but I really do think he's one of those, I, I, it's hard to say, like, you can tell he came from a farming family. He's not a hick, I wouldn't say. Or, he's not a hick and he's not a redneck, but he has flavors of both. Yeah. You know, like, I'm sure he's not racist, but I'm sure gay people make him uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, I mean I I, I'm playing, that. I'm playing to stereotypes. I haven't asked him outright, but if, you know, if you were to build a stereotype of this person in your mind, that's one of the things you would assume. Uh-huh. And we had been discussing, um, well, we were, we were discussing, uh, again, the Italian Renaissance and what the court of, I don't remember which Italian city state it was. It might've been Florence was renowned for this this just amazingly witty, you know, very intelligence-driven court. And one of the interesting things about it is that um, it was co-ed, and women were seen as intellectual equals to the men in the court, which was yeah. you know, unusual for the 14th century. That is or, I'm sorry, unusual. I guess I will I, agree with you the on 16th that. century. But and, regardless, uh, it's, it's unusual. Very unusual. And so... Uh, we were discussing it and, and the readings that we had to do, you know, it's all primary source readings. And so it's, it's things that had been recorded. Salem, knock it off. Sorry. He's using, <laughs> he's using the couch. As he's, yeah, uh, Cause you know, it's not a creepy kids podcast until Salem does something stupid. Yeah, pretty much. Or a scout puts her butt in your face. Yeah. But uh, so, just to guys, let you guys know, these are not our concubines. These are actually our cats. Yes. So we're their concubines. Yeah, pretty much. Although he is uh, my collared pussy, isn't he? anyway salem is uh a very young cat who regards everything in the house as his scratching post so sometimes we have to yell at him anyway so uh you know with this whole discussion we were reading a lot of primary sources and so it was from people who were at the court or people who were at the court and recorded these conversations and there was one guy who i want to say was a medici ended up going off in this tear about how women shouldn't be allowed to do the same things that men did so Women shouldn't be allowed to play masculine games up to and including tennis because I don't. Wait, know wait, wait! You. You're talking about today? No, in his court. This is one of the guys who attended this court. He was a Medici. Okay, I was gonna say. All right, I was like horribly confused no, for a minute. There. But, okay, never uh, mind. Go ahead. But he basically went off in this misogynistic terror about how basically women were either saints or whores, essentially. Well, yeah, there's, how, there, well, there's always that bullshit going on somewhere. Well, it was sort of this weird burst of misogyny uh, fr- in the middle of discussions which had, had been very intelligent and non-gender based. And, uh, and and so he was going off about how women shouldn't be allowed to do the, any of the, the things that men did, up to and including tennis. Because let me tell you, when I think of a masculine sport, tennis springs immediately to mind. And how uh, <laughs> sorry. he was so, like, 
convinced of this that that it went up to and including him saying that you know women should do nothing that might embroil themselves in a potential scandal even if the scandal was not of their own making so one of the things that he was saying was that you know if a woman should be caught in a conversation with say a drunk guy who's making a pass at her or speaking of you know things that aren't weren't socially acceptable at the time you know like telling ribald jokes or whatever she wasn't even allowed to say, hey, jackass, knock it off. She was just supposed to stand there and blush slightly with shame. So she couldn't even defend herself. That was, according to this asshole, this was deemed, oh, this was deemed too masculine. Well, yeah, basically. And so we're sitting there, and I'm in a group of probably, I don't know, six or seven other people. So there's maybe eight of us total. And we're about evenly split amongst the genders. And this one guy, the guy I was talking about before, He's like, well, I would agree with what he said. And I'm just looking at him like, what? what? And he goes, well, you know, you got to think about it. You know, women have to be careful with what they do or else they're, you know, they, they can, they can damage their own reputations. And I'm just looking at him like, but I mean, literally what? the things that came out of his mouth were so stupid. I, it's like, I felt like mentally I was sliding in a mudslide down a hill. I couldn't catch my footing enough yeah. to shut him down verbally until finally I'm like, what, what the hell are you talking about? And he goes, well, I, I take it you don't agree with me. And I'm like, well, no, what with my being my own person. And you know, I don't derive my, my being as an extension from whatever man is in my life. And so he, uh, you know, he goes on and he's like, well, you know, well, what about like, if you're married to a, a guy who, who's deployed, you know, you shouldn't have any guy friends over. And I I just blinked at him and he goes, I take it you don't agree. And I'm like, no, I don't agree. And I think that's pretty fucking stupid, you know? And it's like, like, like he basically sees it as this, your entire marriage is based around what your neighbors think of you. And it's like, you know what? If I have my guy friends over while my husband's deployed, which I wouldn't do because I'm selective about who I let sleep in my house. Yeah. But even if I did or did not, my husband would trust me enough to know that I'm not fucking him the minute he's deployed. Well, yeah, I mean, it's all, I mean, when it comes to that type of shit, it's all about trust. Well, exactly. And I said to the guy, I said, what if your guy friend is gay? And he goes, well, you know, you know, like, like he's like scrambling and it's just like, well, you know, he'd still want to fuck you. Okay, buddy. It's just like, (laughs) I'm sure he's one of those guys who thinks that all lesbians need is a good deep dick into Probably. To swing them back around to, to... I wouldn't be surprised. To worshipping the cock and, you know, ready to fire out babies at the slightest provocation. Like, I, I almost... like, you just need to suck on my magnificent Of course, wing. you know, I'm sure <laughs> just... once, once his golden penis had breached her, her quivering lesbian meat folds, then suddenly she'd be heterosexual and it'd be the 1950s again. But it's just, it's like... I, I don't know what women he's been hanging around with, but he needs to uh, to, to pursue a better class of them, frankly. Well, yeah. I mean, it just, uh, he sounds to me like he has a very 1950s. Yeah, he really, and the thing is, is I'm He needs to sure kind of like, watch, like he's watched Mad Men too much. Well, the thing <laughs> is, is he's maybe my age, probably younger. So it's not like it's some guy in his 60s that's, you know, getting, taking classes late in life. It's, it's somebody who's 28 to 35. And it's yeah. like, I, well, I was really tempted to just say you were homeschooled, weren't you? But I bet he was. I bet he was too. <laughs> I bet he was too. And so it's just like, you know, I, I'm not even like irate around it. I, I think it's more like I'm sad that somebody in the, the, the 21st century can really believe 
that you know no woman can be trusted without her man right there to to you know keep her in line basically mm-hmm. i just wanted to ask him if he'd ever read any of the gore novels <laughs> maybe he's all like well that's my religion what do you yeah doing? exactly no i you know what being a married person i have seen that mentality occasionally where it's someone who you know i'm, I'm about to go do something like like for example if i'm at the sca and we do our wars, which are a you know weekend long event, right. and a bunch of the girls like to go out, and we go quote unquote carousing is what we call it. Right. Honestly, all we do is we walk around with mugs full of booze and say hi to people and laugh and you know have throw glow sticks and right. have a good time. So that's all we do. But I, you know, it's it's the same equivalent of someone coming up to me, which has happened before, going, "Is it okay with your husband that you do this?" And I'm like, "What?" Yes, because he's my husband and not the slave master. Are you sure he's not going to be upset? I'm all like, my husband trusts me. I'm not going to go around and just start. Oh, I'm out in the middle of here. I'm going to go start sucking dicks. It's like the thing that baffled me about this is it's like you know I'm 33. I'm single. I dated here and there. Uh, So far, I've had spectacularly terrible taste in men, and. you know, I, I take care of myself. I have always taken care of myself. And even after I'm married, I'll still take care of myself. And so I think it's the notion of, you know, I pay my rent. I pay my bills. I buy my groceries. I decide what I want to eat, you know. And so the, the concept that the minute I get married, I'm, you know, I like I, I'm somehow not only do I, I lose my independence, but I should want to lose my independence so yeah. that I can be nothing more than an extension of my husband. Yeah, well, unfortunately, that does happen every once in a while when you get married, is people just kind of assume that, you know, that once you get married, you have become one. And in some ways, yes, you are become a partnership, but you still should maintain that identity. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of things. I don't do everything with my husband. No, if you did, it'd be creepy. Um, it'd be boring. I'd get fucking sick of him after a while, oh, I can tell yeah. you that. But he does his thing. He goes he goes out with the guys. He, like, does his Warhammer shit. I go out, and I, I hell, I'm i here podcasting. I go out and do my thing, and he does his thing. And, I mean, it's doesn't bother me none. I trust him enough to know that he's not going to do anything retarded, and he trusts right. me enough to know that I'm not going to do anything retarded. Well, and I, I guess, I don't know. I, I have a, I'm a very independent person, you know, like, I'm cuddly and loving in my relationships, but I also, you know, have days where I just want everybody to go the fuck away and leave me alone. Well, hey, we all have those days. Right. You know, I'm not afraid to be on my own. And some days I don't want to, like, on the weekends, I tend to not leave the house. It's just me and the crazy-ass cats. And I'll watch movies, clean the house, knit, you know, whatever I feel like doing that night. Mm-hmm. And it's nice not being around anybody else. Mm-hmm. And so, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I, just, I know exactly what you're saying. Just his, this, this, his bizarre assumption that women could not be trusted to do things that were only for men. And it's like, you know, other than external masturbation, there really isn't anything I can think of that only men can do. Yeah. You know? (laughs) No, I understand. I'm just, so you fuck off basically. But, but it's funny because it's not like I'm pissed. It's more that I'm baffled. Like, I I don't understand that thinking either. Just because even though my parents were raised in the 1950s, 60s, you know, that era, it's never been something that I, uh, an ideal I've been raised with. Right. So I guess it, I feel your pain. It, I, it babbles me too. And it also makes me kind of want to jab a red hot poker up someone's ass on occasion. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, like, this is the kind of guy that, you know, I've always had a pretty even mix of gender wise of friends. 
Yeah, you know, I've gone out drinking with my male friends. I've gone drink out drinking with my female friends. And while the dynamic is different, it's still they're still your friends, you know. And yeah. then you know you'll do like a mixed gender thing, and that dynamic's different too. But this is the kind of guy that I could tell that, like, say, you know, I mean, I, I haven't gone out drinking with my guy friends in years because, well, I'm 33 and I'm too fucking old for the bar scene. But I get, I catch what you're saying. So. But like, you know, if I, if he, he's the kind of guy that like, okay, say I was in San Diego. Right. And yeah. I went out drinking with like, like, like say you were working and I went out with Max and Mark and Catton and Joe and Lou and whomever else. Right. Yeah. You guys wouldn't think anything weird of it, but this would be the kind of guy that like, maybe he had somehow ended up in the group. He would be uncomfortable because I had a vagina. Like he wouldn't just think I'm kicking back with some friends and one of them happens to be a girl. He would be, like, uncomfortable, I think, and unable to relax because yeah. I was a girl. Yeah. And I didn't belong in this hallowed meeting of penises. Yeah. I can understand that. You know, I mean, I, 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 used sometimes, be, I used to get that a lot just because I always had a lot of guy friends. Right. Like, like I should so, be watching Sex in the City and, I don't know, uh, doing whatever it is that women who watch Sex in the City yeah. do. You should, be, you should be home knitting. <laughs> like Apparently. I don't know. Go home and knit, bitch. <laughs> Make this into something delicious. <laughs> Get in the kitchen and bake me a chicken pot pie. Exactly. It's just and then then clean the toilet and give me a blowjob. Yeah, at the pretty same time. much. <laughs> Nurse the children well, and fillet me at the same time. So I'm actually going to for week the fuck out. I'm actually returning to mine because it's too fucking hilarious. Okay. Was um people who pretend they um have allergies when they don't. Ah uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's a pet peeve of mine. I'll admit it. And it, it came up just kind of randomly at work. But, yeah, that is definitely one of those things that make me go, fuck you. Oh, yeah. You know? Totally. Totally. It really is. And, it's, um, it's attention and boring. I am going to say this. Folks, I'm not saying if you have an allergy, you do fuck off. Because Lord knows I have my allergies. I um, pretty much am saying fuck off to the group of people who um, may not may dislike something and then just use the fact, just kind of like use that to create some sort of allergy out of their heads and then um, use it to gain attention. Right. I guess that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Better and um, the one I was going to point out, this is my favorite one is where, I mean, I have, you know, I've, I've heard them all because I, I work with the public and I've heard some like, Oh my God, I'm so sensitive to this. And I'm all like, okay, well we don't have that problem here, but you know, type of thing. Right. I, and the big thing was I'm sensitive to mold and I'm like, um, okay, that's great. You're sensitive to mold, but we don't have mold in here. Trust me on this one. <laughs> this isn't a mold exhibition. We don't have a mold in this, but, and my, my favorite ever, nowhere to be found. Oh, my favorite ever, ever is I knew a girl who, um, uh, who, uh, said claimed, claimed and i'm still laughing at this claimed she was allergic to water <laughs> what the fuck seriously what the fuck and i was like There's... and i'm all like you're white and she's all like uh, what happened was that she drank too much and she was like oh i i, I drank so much and i'm gonna throw up and, uh, and i was like well hold on let me get you some water you drank too much no i can't drink it i'm allergic to water then you'd be living in a fucking bubble. And I was kind of like, but you just drank. What? Wait, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> it was like one of those things. Then you I'm would not like, have survived not childhood. dead yet? Because aren't you like 70% water? I think we're more like uh, 75 to 80, aren't we? I'm like laughing at that because I was just like, oh, I'm allergic to water. It makes me throw up. 
And I was all like, no, that's drinking too much, darling. So what, do you turn into a giant hive when it rains? No, what she did is uh, she drinks Pepsi instead. Is the ocean, like, you know, a ball of, you know, a, a, a writhing, seething, oh, no, seething it, cauldron of death? To, um, it's only when she drinks it, apparently. Oh, it's only upon ingestion. I She's see. not going to melt like the Wicked Witch of the West, I, I guess. I see. Yeah, she except showers. for the fact that um, if, if you were allergic to water, you would spend the rest of your life in a fucking bubble. Yeah, I know. and that's uh, But she drank Pepsi. Which has Coke, water in it. Soda. And has, uh, she has water in it, but she's allergic to water. Uh-huh. And I know she did it just for attention. Well, duh. I, I laugh and laugh whenever I think back at that. I just giggle a whole lot. So, you know what? Binge well, your attention hole. Fuck you. Didn't you have a friend who claimed she was allergic to grease and then would go out and eat, like, the greasiest hamburger? It's the same person. <laughs> oh my god, you're kidding me! That is fucking hilarious! I know exactly who you're talking about. I know, I'm not gonna use any names, but you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> same person! Oh my god, what a fucking moron. I'm so I glad care. I never met her in person. I don't care if she listens to this. I would have had butter. <laughs> I don't think she does. Anyway. That is uh, fucking I I just profound. I say fuck off to that. I'm so sick of people attention whoring. It's like such a pet peeve of mine. Well, it's it's one of those... You don't like then you don't like something. No right. one's going to fucking hate you if you just say, you know what, I don't like drinking water. I have friends of mine who don't like drinking water, and they don't like the taste of water, which is fine. Right. Just put some crystal light in it and move on. Right. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Stop trying to twist it to make everything about you. Yeah, well, well, that's what it always was. Right. Well, the problem with that is, too, is, you know, you get those those health whatever whatever the health buzzword of, of the day is that, that goes through. Like, when we were in high school, it was... My kid has ADD slash my kid has ADHD. Yeah. And my favorite yeah, response to, to that. Right now it's the autism button. It right, seems, but... right. Or the allergy thing. But th- my uh-huh. favorite my favorite response to that was my sister shut some bitch down. This kid did not have ADD. This kid had a bad case of needed the flat of somebody's hand applied to their ass. <laughs> and, uh, and mommy, of course, wouldn't do that because mommy was a soccer mom and the world revolved around her special little snowflake. And Oh, yeah. This kid was just being a complete fucking terror, had made my nieces cry, who were small at the time, and and the mom comes over because she can see my sister's getting pissed. She goes, oh, oh, I'm sorry, little Timmy or whatever the fuck the kid's name was has ADD. And my sister just looked at her and she goes, you know, a hundred years ago, kids had ADD and they still had to learn how to fucking behave in public. And that shut the bitch right down. <laughs> yeah. We never saw her fat ass at the park after that. I don't, I just, I'm so sick of special snow. I actually should change my weekly fuck off to really, uh, you're not a fucking special snow. Right. Like, get over yourself. Right. Because everyone, I, I mean, yeah, we all, we're all different and wonderful and that's what makes life great. But God damn it, I'm not catering to your goddamn right, needs right. and they're not necessarily, and they're in your fucking head. Right. Well, you know, the thing that people tend to forget when they, they, want to be special snowflakes is that when special snowflakes come there tend to be millions upon millions upon billions of them you're not the only fucking special snowflake out there (laughs) what's what's that i think it's a chinese proverb uh there's only one beautiful child in the world and every mother has it (laughs) i like that it's that same idea yes you're a special snowflake to you you're not a special snowflake to me to me you're an asshole and those are a dime a dozen what was I said? You're not a special snowflake. You're an asshole. You're a bastard. You're a bastard-covered bastard with a bastard center. Yes. Fuck yeah. <laughs> you. With a saucy bastard sauce. I'm just saying, I mean, I deal with the public, so I deal with that a lot. And I, and when I have to deal with it in my personal life, when it's like, I have this and I have I that. Pay attention. You. Oh, yeah. Just fucking deal like an adult. You're in your 30s. Pretty much. You're not a kindergartner and I don't give a shit. <laughs> 
if you're a kindergartner, I'd slap your ass in not a good way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was so I, I was so angry. I had to go musical. Well, you know, sometimes it's, it's better <laughs> to sing your frustrations if need I be. I had to sing my frustration out. You I was should. Talking. You know, you should totally sing the laser shoot out of my tip thing just for Roy. No, you have to work for that bullshit. And for those of you who don't know what that's all about, um, just go, listen to Sassy Cast. Go listen to the Sassy Cast, ladies and gentlemen. Listen to the Sassy Cast. You can find us on iTunes. I think my other podcast, yes. which is and we're hilarious. on our hundredth episode, and over here we're on our tenth. Yeah, do the math. <laughs> Sad thing is, is we started at about the same time. I know that's the funny part. We've recorded we exactly took- one tenth of what they have. Exactly. That's so sad. Yes, it is. Quality, people. You have yes, to wait for quality. Is. That's right. Quality <laughs> over quantity. Yeah, now yeah. I'm going to get it from Roy for saying that, and I deserve it. And now it. he's going to be all bitch. Pretty much. And let's be honest. Your ass no, is going to, like, totally let like, you out. I deserve it. Let's be honest. You do, but that's why we love you. That's true. Because we're, like, angry bitches. That's right. And, uh... <laughs> so, shall we step to the meat, since, we've already, since we're already, like, a while in, sure. I'm sure? We're only half an hour in. Oh, okay. Well, actually, we're doing pretty good, though. Yeah, we are. We're doing better than uh, Take One. Take One, which was what? We were already, like, an hour and a half in. We haven't seen the <laughs> yeah, yet. It was more like, nonsense, nonsense, nonsense. Oh, yeah, we saw these movies. Nonsense, nonsense, nonsense. I already had a friend of mine who's starting to listen to our podcast, Elaine, who has a podcast of his own, and he has to give me the name of it because I need to start listening to it. Okay. He's an old friend of mine from the Gargoyles fandom, and he's fucking awesome. Uh-huh. And he, like, was Twittering me today, and he's all, two and a half hours... Seriously? Tell him to go over to the cadaver lab. That's what I told him. Come <laughs> on, well, if you think we're epic. You know, honestly, got though, nothing on the four-hour cadaver lab episode. Hell yeah. Oh, and I'd just like to uh, put a note out for Sam. You know what, Sam? If I want a raw dog on that broomstick without a condom and get throat splinters, well, that's my choice, isn't it, Sam? Isn't it? Now, you go watch Necromantic and you touch yourself to dead people. And we'll converse later. Is this something I missed on an episode I haven't listened to yet? Probably. It's the latest episode. Okay. I, I called in and I still had that. Uh, my voice was still blown. <laughs> and so oh, yes. Sam was making fun of me because they watched Necromantic and apparently, you know, I mean, it's, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's two people fucking a corpse. Yeah. And uh, apparently they made a phallus for the corpse out of a table leg or something like that or a broomstick. And she put a condom on it before fucking it. And they couldn't figure out why, why she put a condom on it. Splinters. And somebody, exactly, somebody said bad splinters. And Sam thought it was hilarious. So then he accused me of, of filleting said uh, wooden phallus without the condom on. So, you know, if I want a raw dog on my corpse, I'm going to raw dog on my corpse. And I think that is going to be our first t-shirt. Oh, yeah. And Hells that was for, like, yes. every single male listener Hells right out there. to the Yes. I can honestly say that I have I have to call in so I could be ridiculed. You should actually. Oh, and that reminds <sighs> it's me. Just Re- I am behind the gun. I got to do that. Remind me before uh, we're done with this episode to tell you about how I think I manifested a poltergeist when I was younger. Okay, we're gonna have to talk about that at the end of our episode. Okay. Well, don't let me if forget. You don't hit you know max four hours. Yeah, so. pretty much. And speaking of length, <laughs> like I said, size matters. Um. I just, you know, I would rather have, honestly, as a, as a listener, I would rather listen to a two and a half hour podcast than an hour long podcast that seems truncated. Yes. Validate us. Well, I like long podcasts. <laughs> I'm just giving you shit. Don't worry about Fuck it. Fuck you, whore. Actually, fuck you too. I listen to three hour podcasts too. 
Well, it's just you I, know, have to, have to, I actually have to admit, I actually love listening to the long podcast, too, too, because they fill my commute. So. Right, and I walk to and from class or, you know, killing time between classes. When I'm at work, you know, if the kids are outside playing or something and I'm folding laundry, then I can put in one earbud yeah, and true. listen while I'm folding laundry. So I like having, you know, a nice long library to, to draw from. So Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you on that. So, um, suck at bitches, I Pretty think much. is what we're trying to say. Pretty much. So, and there you go. If you go. <laughs> it's not my fault. Oh, um, before I forget, I keep wanting to give her a shout out, and I never do. Um, Colleen. Yes. It's my buddy um, from the SCA. She's awesome. She listens to this podcast. I just I keep mentioning her on the podcast, and I never fucking actually give her website out. She's one of our listeners, and she's... Um, an amazing craftsperson and seamstress and does some really bitchin' stuff. Yes, she uh, is. She does some of the coolest-looking fucking Day of the Dead Skulls felty things you can get, like stuffed Day yeah, of the Dead I Skulls. Yeah, I totally have to go get one of those. And you have to go and um, check out her stuff. She hand-stitches the, them and all this. And she also does a cute little um, Cthulhu felt creature, which is uh-huh. fucking awesome. And she does cool shit. Yeah. She's a cool crafts person. She has you an can Etsy find shop. her finally. I'm given the damn thing. You can find her at on Etsy as Winged Lion, and I'm going to spell that for you. That's W Y N G D L Y O N. That's her username on Etsy, and her shop is called Winged Lion Creations. Go check her out. Yes. Go buy one of her data that at school. Yes. She's fucking bitching. I swear to God, I love her shit. Yeah, she is like way crazy talented, and we love her for listening. Oh, she's awesome. I love you, Colleen. You're one of my favorite people ever. She's totally she, She's just you. a bitchin' human being, and when you come to visit Stacey, you gotta meet her, because okay. she's a bitchin'. Cool. And she, we're gonna ask her, actually, to come and guest host sometime, yes. too, because she's also a, a aficionado of uh, some of the creepy, awesome movies. So, Wait. But go check her out, Winged Lion Creations. Um, she's on Etsy. She still has, she has a good array of Day of the Dead Skulls available right now, so go check them out. And they're not that expensive. They run, like, 15 to 17 bucks. Right. And they're really, like, detailed, beautiful yeah. looking things. Yeah, so, definitely. go check her out. Go definitely, check her out. Go definitely, check her out. Go definitely. Check her out. Tell her we sent right. you. Yeah. We can't promise. Or not. She, I don't care. Just buy her shit. Yeah, she's not gonna get, you know, she's not gonna give you a sale, but just tell her that we sent you. Yeah, but, um, I'm, I'm about to say, but don't buy the Cthulhu, because I will beat you because I want that Cthulhu. Go buy the Cthulhu. So, I don't go buy the Cthulhu. No, go buy it. Bitches, don't go buy the Cthulhu! Go buy it. I want to watch your head explode. I hate you. <laughs> Why do you hate me? No, you don't. You love me. I do, you're a bitch. It's not my fault you're a masochist. <laughs> Sometimes love hurts. <gasps> so, shall we start the damn show? Sure, why not? Hey, we got oh. a lot accomplished. Yeah, we, we did. We talked about our fuck-offs. We talked about our horror crush. We did. We did. I gotta admit, we're staying on task really we are. well. And I'm eating delicious, delicious frozen chocolate milk. <laughs> so, uh, which movie do you want to start with? Burn Offering. Alright. Go for it. Okay, so... Go for it. This episode was, of course, uh, Listener's Choice. Do you want to explain what we're going to do with Listener's Choice in the future? Um, yeah, actually, let me go through that, because I almost forgot that we were gonna, we talked about that last episode. Yes, so, first of all, before we get started, is I want to say a big old thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone who said in a title. Yes. I swear to God, we are having so much trouble trying to figure out what we were going to do, because there were some great titles that we were like, oh, yeah, you know, it actually shit. came down to flipping a fucking coin, to be yep. perfectly honest. Yep. 
Um, and the movies we're doing, this listener's choice, is uh, Burn Offerings, which was suggested by Roy from Sassy Cast. Yep. And The Burbs, which was actually suggested by Johnny from Cadaver Lab. Or yep. not, it's not Cadaver Lab anymore. It's, which one is it now? Johnny Krug. He does Kruger Johnny Nation. Johnny Krug does Kruger Nation, and he does another podcast with uh, Mike. Yeah, the, the Sideshow or something like that? I think it's called The Sideshow. Either way, they, they haven't put anything awesome. out yet under it. So, but um, <laughs> those were our two things. And like I said, it all came down to pretty much flipping a coin at this point because they were all really good and we couldn't decide. Yes. But what we had so many suggestions that what we're going to do from this point on is every listener's choice, we're just going to start a master's list. And we're going to have whoever listens to the podcast come and give us a vote on what they want to um, hear us talk about. And if you have a title that's not on the list, we're going to have you suggest it. Yeah. And then we're just going to keep this master list going. And eventually we're going to get to pretty much every single movie yeah. on that I list. Think, I'm thinking like what we should do is probably like we'll pick five off the list randomly mm-hmm. and then just put them up for vote. And then whatever wins, that's the two we'll do. Yeah, that's pretty much what we're going to be doing. <laughs> um, there are a few um, movies, actually, some people have mentioned that we're actually going to be doing our own um, shows on. Like separate shows, and I'm going to say that right now because Cut In, our Canadian listener, yes. has been chomping at the bit for us to talk about Kamina forever. Oh, and right, right. Cut In, we're doing an actual vampire episode that we're going to feature that episode on. Right. We're also so, going to do a contrast and compare between uh, Let the Right One In and Let Me In because I'm yes. curious to see both. And we're also going to have some guest hosts, one of them being yes. uh, my dear friend, Captain from my SEA household, who is an aficionado of the ghost movies. Which will be an awesome and, episode. Yeah, he's going to come and um, chat with us yes. as soon as he can get Skype hung, um, hooked up, and he's going to actually come and have a discussion with us about it. And he's got some good recommendations. I'll talk to you about those off. Okay. Yes, and he's got some bitchin' recommendations to next, give to us. Uh, episode, we're going to have our very first ga- uh, guest host. And that yes, is going we are. to be... We are going to do gay horror... Because I think we can get some really cool uh, discussions. Basically, we're going to watch two slasher movies. One of them is called Hellbent, which is, you know, gay as in male gay. And then yes. the other one, which is called, what is it, Be Careful What You Wish For? Be Careful What You Wish For, or was it My Mother Likes Girls? Yeah, My Mother Likes Women, which has nothing to do with the movie, so whatever. Which is a lesbian slasher. Yes. And uh, part of the reason why I wanted to do this is because Cindy and I have a friend, Roy, who is gay. And he and his partner, Chris, live in, in Texas. They're, they're the ones who do Sassy Cast, which is a, a, a gay, slice-of-life, friendly, you know. There's something for everybody in it. And I just think <laughs> True, we, there is, actually. we could get a really interesting um, uh, dichotomy going on with how a gay male would look at the slasher trope versus how a, a heterosexual or really any female would look at the slasher trope. So I think we could get some interesting, like, con- you know, contrasting going on there. Plus, Roy, uh, Roy is hilarious, and we wanted to have our own honest-to-God gay on the show. Yes, and he is an honest-to-God gay. He is an honest-to-God gay. He's like, oh my God, floating around type of gay. Yeah, from San Francisco. I mean, really, Roy? Yeah. Really? Yeah, like I said, oh my God, here he comes floating around Yeah, gay. why don't you just put on a fucking feather boa and get it over with, okay? Uh, well, he has. I actually have pictures. <laughs> so, I've known Roy for a long time. So anyway, that's what we have. That's that's what the future has in store. So like I said, don't be discouraged if your um, title didn't get picked because we're putting it on the master list and that's we will right. get to it. Eventually it will get its day or night. Since this or is a, afternoon. It depends on when we record. It's a spooky podcast. Shh, it's nighttime. Hush. 
Oh, whatever. Okay, in night where we're naked. I win. Naked and and wearing headphones. Sure, why not? I, I, I actually sure. have pants on tonight. And like, you know, bare back in a broomstick or whatever the fuck you said. Raw dog. <laughs> oh, no. Raw dog. Burn offerings. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you wuss. You want a snack All right, size? burn offerings starring the delicious Oliver Reed. Yes. God love him. And that's actually his title. And I think the Queen of England gave it to him. <laughs> and Karen Black with her wonky yeah. eye. And Yeah, Karen Black and her weird face. Which is funny because Karen Black is really pretty. And she was obviously very young in this movie. And she's beautiful. But she's just got that one eye. She's got the that, weirdest like, face. looks off and kind of does its own thing. Okay, okay, we'll get to that in a minute. But we should go into the plot synopsis of Burn Offerings pretty much. Okay. Which is... um. God, I feel like I watched it forever ago because we already recorded the episode for this. But uh, uh, Burn Offerings is uh, made in the 1970s. Was it 1974? Something like that. Something like that. And it's pretty much about this family that is renting this gorgeous house. Gorgeous yeah. house. It's, which it's I assume is south, I mean, it's, but it's not. It's you told a mansion. Me where it's, from. It's, a, it's a mansion. Yeah, it's actually in Oakland. Yeah, I, which makes me laugh because I don't remember any house in Oakland ever looking like that. But well, the only part of it, Oakland I ever saw was the naval base or the ghetto, so. Well, I, I, there are beautiful parts of Oakland. I know that yeah, for well, a fact, but I don't remember any, like, southern plantations being in. My family never had Oakland. any business on them then. It looked like a plantation. This yeah, house. it does. I mean, it's, it's, it's an honest to God mansion. Yeah. So what it was is this family um, finds this house to rent, and it's, like, this uh, amazingly cheap price, and... And these crazy old people live inside, and brother and sister. Yeah, the Allardyces. Yeah, the yeah the Allardyces are Allardyces. What was it? Allardyces. Allardyces. Thank you. Well, it's pretty much Burgess Meredith acting like a crazy loon in a wheelchair yet a again. Crazy in fae a horror loon. Film. And and I love Burgess Meredith, I do so too. that's not insult. And um, they um, decide to agree to move in and caretake the house, and then they're and pretty much. Long story short, there's something wrong with the house. Right, the house is evil, basically. And, and the house is uh, the house is evil. It's pretty much right, what, right. what it's pretty much um, Amityville horror done right. I guess is a good way of putting it. But, yeah, like, without the satanic uh, yeah overtures. There's just this kind of you, they never really say what the evil is in the house. They you just know that something's wrong here. Which, you realize honestly, that the house. Spoiler, guys, we're going to be giving spoilers on both of these movies, just yeah. letting you know. Yes, uh, we realize halfway, not halfway, probably pretty early on in the film, that the the uh, house pretty much is just taking, the, sucking the life out of this family. Well, and it's using not their, even, it's, the life to restore itself. It's not even sucking the life, though. It's uh, anytime blood it, is spilled, too. Yeah, but it actually was sucking the life out of Betty Davis. Right, character. but you'll notice at the very beginning when uh, they're looking at the house, Oliver Reed and Karen Black play a married couple. Uh, what's his, what was their names? Uh, ben and Ma- Ma- Marilyn? Uh, yeah, I think so. Ben I'm going to pull it up. And so then their son because was been, Davey. Bear with us, guys. We actually watched these about what, three weeks three ago. Weeks ago yeah. so, and then our episode yeah, died. His name so. was Ben. The son's name was Davey. Her name was Marilyn, I'm almost positive. And then Aunt Elizabeth was Betty Davis's character. Yes, I and, remember that. Uh, and I remember Ben and I and uh, yes, Marion the wife, Ben is the husband. Uh Davey. and Davy was the son and Aunt Elizabeth was Betty right. Davis's character. So yeah, that's the family that comes into this. Right. House. And the Allardyces, it's Roz the sister and then she only ever refers to Burgess Meredith's character as brother. Yes. And you know off the bat that something is fucking weird about this house because the Allardyces are fucking bizarre. 
they're not like you know dressed up like clowns and tap dancing bizarre but more like Burgess Meredith well Burgess Meredith is in a wheelchair the entire time you have no idea why he's <laughs> very obviously playing up a flamboyant gay stereotype oh yeah and uh it, it's really funny because I, I said before but he reminds me he's he's basically playing the same character he played in the sentinel yeah, it's pretty much the same identical character, but right. instead and so, of standing, he's sitting. <laughs> so I decided I decided that, because the Allardyces leave for the summer, and I decided that that's where his character went. He went to New York to live in a brownstone and terrorize a supermodel. Probably. Because uh, it, it is the same fucking character minus the cat. Instead of the cat... It is. It's literally the same character, except he's sitting down. Right. Instead of the cat, <laughs> he's got his older sister, who has the largest teeth in Hollywood. Yes. Um, was it Eileen Eckert? Yeah, I I think so, I absolutely love her. I've seen her in a bunch of other things, and I just love, adore her. Yeah, well, when we first recorded it, I said, I know I had seen her before, but the only thing I can remember her from is that episode of the Cosby Show where she had, like, Yeah, that's where I mostly remember her from, but she was in a bunch of, like, other, she's one of those actresses, is when you see her, you go, oh, yeah, her. Right. She really, everything. it's, it's not the same actress, but she reminds me a lot of the character who played the next door neighbor in Rosemary's Baby. The sort yeah, of slightly of too loud, maybe a little too... That smoker's voice. <laughs> right, right. She seems to be a bit more refined than that character was, but I yeah. really classify them in the same. Plus, you know, they've got that whole benevolent older woman who clearly is not working for your good thing yeah. going on. Oh, yeah. And the thing <laughs> I've got to say is about the character of the Allardyces is, is that they were right on the screen for a very long time. They're, like, in one scene. No, two, and they both still. two scenes. Well, one or two. I mean, the other one I don't count because it was literally, like, a two-second scene. But right. they weren't on the camera for a very long time, and both of them made a really huge impression. Oh, yeah. Like they, oh, yeah. They were one of my... I think they were part of, like, some of the creepiest parts of the film. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, the minute that this family... And the thing, too, I think part of what makes this movie good... Now, I'm going to say... You know, like, like we said from the, the, the you know, in, in, the, in the previous episode, we said that there, this is a good movie. It's not a great movie. And there are, I think, are better examples of it in the genre. But yeah, I have to agree with you on that. You have really, really good actors in it that I think yes. elevate it to be something a little bit more. I think what it is, is I, I the, like I, like you said, the movie is, it's a really good example of the 1970s horror films, like The Changeling and The Sentinel and those type of films during that era, the 70s through the right. early 80s. The, the slow was, brooding. The slow burn, gothic-y feeling where, right. you know, and it just kind of, it. there's a lot and lot of buildup. And I, you know, like, like what they did, a modern take on that would be the House of the Devil. Right, yeah. Uh, although, but, the, although House of the Devil, it wasn't the house itself that was evil. But No, but I'm talking about just the atmosphere, feel of that right. slow burn atmosphere type right. of horror film where it's very atmospheric as opposed to it's very blood, blood, right. oh, jump, jump type of thing. Long, it's just that feeling of dread that just right. keeps building. Long, slow shots, none of the, yeah. the quick cut, rapid edits. Yeah. It's like the anti-saw. Yeah, exactly. But, and what good. I would say, though, is I don't think it's the best uh, 70s horror film in that genre that no. I've, I've ever seen. But I think the reason why what saved it for me and made me want to watch the thing from beginning to end was the acting was very good. Yes, yes. And it had great actors in it. Oliver Reed, uh, Betty Black. Davis. Even Karen Black was great. Burgess Meredith. Right. I mean, even the little kid who Lee Montgomery is what his name is. And uh-huh. I don't know if he's ever really did anything after this much. Well, no, he has, he's done a couple things now looking him up, but 
he, um, I mean, he was great too. Everyone in this ha- was very strong, and right. I think without the acting, this movie, I would have just been like, oh god, make it yeah. end. Yeah, <laughs> without actors who it were does ca- drag. Capable, it really right. does drag. Without actors who were capable of some form of, of sort of a, a sort of nuanced performance, it would have just been boring. Honestly. But Oliver Reed, you know, Betty Davis, all of these characters are capable of bringing subtlety to a role, basically. And so I think it gave the story layers that perhaps it wouldn't have existed otherwise. Yeah, I agree with you. And so you have Oliver Reed and Karen Black as a a married couple. You know, you get the impression they've they've got a, how old is he supposed to be, 10? 12? 10, 12. 12. I I I don't think he's 10. I think he's like maybe 12. Right. And so, you know, they... They've been married for a while, but, uh, you know, they're still young enough that you would define them as a young couple. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, it's Ben is is Oliver Reed's character and uh, Marilyn is his wife or no, Marilyn. It's not Mar- Marion. Um, Marion. Right. Marion and her lazy eye. That's right. Marion and her eye that does its, does its own thing. <laughs> I have to, okay, I'm going to take this moment to say, I'm sorry, but Karen Black's face through the majority of that film was just weird. See, I, I thought she was beautiful. Was. She's, I think she's a beautiful woman, but she's just got I that. so too. But it's like, it's like she's got one eye that just refuses to do what the rest of the face is, is doing. <laughs> and, well, the thing is, is. Every other, the thing is nowadays, I don't know what it is, maybe she had to grow into her face. Maybe that was it. Because nowadays I look at Karen Black and I go, God, she's gorgeous. She right. looks great. You know? She's And aged even very back well. in the day, in some of her earlier films, she was still like, wow, she was beautiful. Uh, even in the fucking trilogy of terror movie. Right. Which is fucking awful. She was still like this, just attractive woman, but there was something about her fucking face in this movie. That red, like, she had too much plastic surgery. Like, her cheekbones were a little too severe, and she had the eye going sideways, and then she was like, it was just like, what is going on with her face? <laughs> well, and one thing... And it was only in the beginning of the film. Right. The rest of the film, and then, like, as it progressed, and she wore her hair up, and she kind of relaxed, she started to look more... Less severe. Like, not like an alien. Right, and, right. Well, and I felt bad because I'm sitting there watching the first half of Burnt Offerings going, and I'm not even paying attention. I'm just sitting there going... What's wrong with her face? What's wrong with her face? Was there plastic surgery back then? What the fuck? And I, and I was like, it was to distraction. And I felt bad because I was like, I really should be nitpicking this poor woman's face. But I here I am going, bitch, what's wrong with your face? Well, one thing I do want to say, though, and I, I of course, addressed this point before, but <laughs> nobody heard it, was that I would rather have somebody like Karen Black who has a flaw like that than this creepy plastic surgery perfection that you see everywhere today like i like that oliver reed i mean oliver reed (coughs) is a brute i mean let's be honest yeah the man we were saying earlier the man was built like a chainsaw sculpture (laughs) but but you know there are scenes where he doesn't have a shirt on and he's not pudgy or anything like that but he's he doesn't have that tone 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 hardcore but at the same time he still conveys that there's a lot of strength in that body yeah. And and I think that's a little more realistic than today. You know, you're not going to have someone who is probably in his 40s who, you know, is a, I think he was like a teacher or something. She said something about him going back and working on his doctorate. And, you know, who, he's not going to have time to be this ripped mass of muscle. But at the same time, he's still going to have the natural, you know, whatever natural genetic gifts he was given. Yeah. And I would much rather see that than, you know, these 
interchangeable young star starlets, masculine and feminine, who... Um, oh, I agree with you on that. You know, who you lose in a crowd, basically. You know, Karen Black, yeah. maybe... Say, I, I think, she's goofy looking and she's got an eye that roams around her face, but you know who she is. You know, you're not watching it going, wait yeah, a minute, uh, which one is this uh, one? Well, I'm definitely not criticizing her like, oh my god, get some plastic surgery, right, surgery bitch. Right. I, mean, I actually, like I said, I think she's a very beautiful woman and I like seeing, you know, I... I, I I totally 100% agree with her, agree with you on right. that subject. That the thing, I'm just saying it for some reason, I, it looked like, I don't know if it was the lighting, because it was only in like the first couple of scenes in the film. Right. And then after that, I, she looked fine. But it was the lighting or the way they put her hair or something where she looked like she just had a shitload of plastic surgery done on her face. Right. Well, I don't, you know, again, it could have been something that was deliberately done in the movie to make it, because basically, Marion is really sinking with this house, basically. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, and so it could be something that they did deliberately to show her. Maybe. It just seemed a little distracting, I guess. House maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? I think it's just me being a retard, but I don't know. So, but um, I, not that she wasn't bad. The only thing I will say, I, I, I think I like Karen Black. I love her to death. The only thing I would say is it just seemed like, for me, uh, Getting off her face. I'm going to talk about something else. <laughs> was that... I'm not going to talk about Karen Black's uh, eye anymore. I'm sorry, Karen Black, you're listening to this. I actually really love, like you. Um, that there is... there. The only thing that kind of bugs me about it was it seemed like Marion, as a character, drank the Kool-Aid a little too fast about right, the house. Right, And that kind of... I don't know. It didn't feel... I mean, it, like I said, it was one of those movies... That after a few scenes, it kind of hit its stride for me. Yeah, but it's for a little some weak reason, at the beginning. Yeah, but for some reason, with um, with Marion in the very beginning, and she just sees the house, and they're like, "Is this the house?" And she's like, "This is the house." And it just seems like this whole uh, she seems to be under the spell a little too quick. There was no right. transition, and it makes me it almost made me wonder. Well, did she does she have a part in this? Like, was she conspiring with the uh, the idol, the Allardyces? Right. To uh, uh, get family the family to the house. in here? I mean, it, it felt weird for some reason. Right. Well, see, now I, I totally understand where you're coming from, and, and I think you're, you know, you're justified in that. But yeah. my take on it is, is I get the impression that she was particularly stressed, like, like they were both particularly stressed out. Yeah. And she, I think, especially at the beginning, came across as a much more sort of pliant and biddable personality. Like, mm -hmm. I get the impression that she probably was, like, the perfect housewife or, or felt she had to be the perfect housewife, you know. Just like, like, she had Donna Reed syndrome, basically. And I think because she had that sort of biddable personality and she was probably stressed out from attempting to incorporate that biddable personality, you know, into her everyday life. Yeah. That the house, she was, it's, she was the weak link that the house could bust its way into the family. Yeah. If I, I mean, the, neither of us is right and neither of us is wrong. You know, really, that's just how I interpreted it. And because the impression I got was that Ben, the husband, you know, because he's played by Oliver Reed, he seemed like the kind of guy who was, who was much more likely to internalize. Uh-huh. Whereas she was the kind of chicken who, you know, I'm stressed out. I got to go clean the kitchen, you know? Yeah. And so, as a result, and, you know, and, and there could be, like, some other, I mean, this, this is pure conjecture on my part, but there could be some other psychology to it where, like, you know, I get the impression that they live in a city, 
Um, I thought it was New York, but you're never really given a, a direct locale. I thought it was the Deep South. Right? I really did. Well, the house, it looked like a plantation. The house does me. look like a plantation, but <clears throat> it never says where it is. So, so I don't know that it's necessarily supposed to represent any one place. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, anyway, my impression was that they lived in like New York City. And that this house was, like, somewhere in, like, upper state. Like, upper New York. Ah, yeah. Because it had, like, a real, like, sort of Vanderbilt, you know, Rockefeller kind of vibe to it. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I got the impression that they probably lived in some shitty little apartment in New York. You know, even though they they probably made decent money, you know, housing is a premium in New York, and it sure as shit was back in the 70s. Yeah. And so they probably both wanted to get out of the city, but weren't sure yet how to do it. And if they, I, I, it seemed unlikely that they owned, they were probably renting. So, you know, I could see her desperately wanting to own her own home. No, I, I totally agree with you on that. And there right. is a lot of subtext they don't really go into that. I think that would work in perfectly. And right. I will say that I kind of like that they didn't really go that heavily into any right. subtext and stuff. I do too, actually, because, because you, it you worked. Can put in... I think if they got too into, well, it's a family with problems and, you know, right. that sort of thing, it really would have rang as cliche for me. Well, and it loses that sort of vague, you know, when it's a blank. You can put anything you want on it. And so you exactly. can, you know, it's, it's sort of like what I, I was saying about how this movie was deeper than it had any right to be, or, or it was, it was more nuanced than it had any right to be. And I think a lot of that is because they kept it deliberately vague. They never said what the fuck the, what the deal was with the house. And it's more frightening that way. Oh, you know? I agree. You know, is it the house itself? Is it the Allardyce's mother who has become one with the house, which is what I think. Was it, you know... Is it a door to Satan? Is is it, you know, the, the, the gracious country estate version of the brownstone from the Sentinel, and it's literally a, a, a portal to hell? But I did like that about the film. I liked the fact that it was vague, and you kind right. of had to fill in your own blanks, and that I, I liked a lot. Right. That and was I, actually part of the film that I, I thought was perfectly yeah, executed. Yeah. Because I think if they spilled out every single little thing, it would have been really boring. Well, and I think it would have <laughs> lost that potential depth that it had because yeah. it would have become too specifically about this family. And I think by keeping it vague, you can slip in. The family becomes, you know, the viewer is the family, basically. That's who you're obviously supposed to identify with. You know, you feel threatened when they're threatened kind of thing. And I think if they had made it too specifically about this family, you know, here's Marion and Ben. They got married in such and such year. Uh, They met blah, blah, blah. You know, they they tried to have kids before they had Davey. But Davey finally came along and he's their miracle. But, you know, I think if they went too into it, it would be too much. It would would divorce the viewer from the family too much. And so then I I agree. I I totally agree. I think even with Oliver Reed and Karen Black and everyone else giving these really great performances... I think the film would have been less than it was because mm-hmm. you would have had that separation between audience and subject matter. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. I, I thought that was executed really spot on. Right. The only thing I kind of wish they did was I really wish that the editor kind of went in and tightened it up a little yes, bit. Yes, I will agree with it, you there. It, it really did start to drag after a while. It seemed like the um, creepiness started a little too early and then they didn't know where to go after a while. Right. Well, see, with me... It was like. 
the way go ahead. I, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I just jumped right in in the middle of you. Well, I'm just going to say it started. It was interesting because it started like it started really creepy. It's the Allardyces and the creepy music and the the plants are coming back. I mean, right. that was one of the big things was you notice that as soon as some blood was spilled, like right, when little um, Davy skinned his knee, um, you notice that all the dead plants, one of the plants starts getting new blooms. Right. It starts to bloom. And, it just seemed, a, I mean, I'm not saying to wait, wait, and wait, but I'm saying it needed, I felt a little premature. Uh-huh. And then and then it kind of caught its his, its stride, and then there was the, the pool scene, which I thought was fantastic, right. where and it was, was Oliver like, Reed in the sun right. swimming in the pool. Genuinely and something, upsetting. Something possesses Ben, Oliver Reed's character, it and he almost It had something to do with those glasses, didn't it? had something to do with those weird glasses. It? had something to do with those glasses he found. Well, he found those glasses, but I don't think that was the catalyst. I mean, it, it, I think, I don't know if those were the catalyst or what the glasses meant, to be perfectly honest. I think it was just, you kind of saw how the house was kind of taken over uh, Marion slowly, very right. slowly. And it was, tr- and I felt that in that scene that it was trying to get a hold of Ben. Uh-huh. And it did for a minute, and then Ben bought it, and the house realized that Ben's a little too strong to, well, to go Well, right, Davy so busted him upside Marianne. the face with the, the diving mask, and that snapped him out of it. Yeah, and so then, it was a great it was a great scene where they're fighting, and uh, I mean he's in the pool with his son, and they're swimming and having a good time. And I really believe the relationship between uh, Davy and Ben. Yes, 100%. they had a they great. Felt like a real they had son. great chemistry. The whole family oh, yeah. unit did really. Oh yeah, they actually felt like a real family. Right, but you know they're doing that, and that was a great scene. And then. A little after the pool scene and then the whole, like, uh, almost having sex in the pool but not scene, uh-huh. which in some ways was kind of hot. And I thought, Karen, I was all, Karen Black, you're mad. <laughs> <laughs> Even if I was possessed by a house, I'd still do him in the yes. pool. You know, type yes. of thing. I'd do him on the lawn, too. <laughs> I could be possessed by the house and I would be like, you know what, house? I Fuck get it. House. I'm possessed, but... I gotta bang Oliver Reed in the pool right now. I gotta now. bang Oliver Reed on the front lawn. And um, house, a, you're just you're just gonna have to accept this. Right now I is just me time. Gotta look for my husband. <laughs> right now is me time. Honey, I could bang you on the front lawn if you really want to. Well, I think oh, the neighbors I got another might have look from him that. that said, "What the fuck?" I think the neighbors might have something to say about that. Okay, back to lawn. Well, that'd be <laughs> he nodded. Okay. Uh, anyway. Well, you guys do have a hot tub. We do. Oh, we do. Anyway. And there's nothing that says, uh, you know, kinky shenanigans like a hot tub in the backyard. And after I tried to drown my husband in the hot tub, we had kinky sex. Right. Anyway. And he hit you in the face with a diving mask. And he and hit then... you in the face with a diving mask, and, you know. And then you guys awesome. did it on the lawn. It was cool. And then we did it on the lawn. It was like, this is, that, that whole scene just reminded me of one, one evening after work. <laughs> There was but violence, anyway, blood, broken so, glasses, but, and fluids I mean, were exchanged. That was a great scene. And then after that, I really don't really remember much what went on between yeah. there and then Betty Davis's character, spoiler, well, dying. I think that's when she started to really sicken. Yeah. Right was, around then. But there's, there was a lot of, like, scene going on there that I don't even remember or even yeah. thought was... 100% needed. I mean, there was scenes that were vital, but it just seemed right. like there, it needed to be tighter. Well, a lot of it, too, was kind of disjointed. Like, there was no real progression. I yeah, mean, I agree. It was just like a series of events. That right. Were just there there sort of was with Marion, because one of the, part of, part of the, the agreement that the Allardyces make with the family is that they have to look after their mother, who lives in her own set of rooms at the top of the, of the house. She has, you know, like a sitting room and everything. And they say, you know, she doesn't come out. She won't bother you. She won't come out and talk to you. Just leave a tray outside her door three times a day. Yeah. 
And so that's, you know, Marion takes to this sort of bizarrely, like, this is my responsibility. You know, you guys don't come up here. You're not to come up here at all. And, you know, she, she'd leave the, the tray and stuff and then come up and take down the empties. And then finally you see her go up. She takes the tray up and then she sits down and she starts to eat it. And you realize she's been eating it the entire time. Yeah, that, I have to admit, was a really creepy right. and moment. Other, but, and that was one of the moments that made me go, ooh. Yeah, and other like, than it really that, did creep me out. Right. Other than that, there really was no, like, this part had to happen after this part because, you know, this explained the story. None of that was really... It was almost like a, a series of vignettes that were tied together with the same backdrop. Yeah. But one thing I really want to say, too, is the the kid who played uh, Davy, their son, was a really great child actor. Yeah. He was very convincing. There's a scene where the house makes its move and tries to uh, smother him by turning on the gas in on his uh, the, the heater in his room without, you know, lighting the pilot light. And fortunately, Ben wakes up and kicks in the door and saves him. And... Uh, you know, a, a symptom of gas poisoning, basically with gas poisoning, you asphyxiate in your sleep. Yeah. And so they're basically, what he does is he can't get the window to open. So he breaks out the window and he's holding him cradled in his arms and sort of has him half out of the, the window so he can breathe. Yeah. And the noises he was making, you know, I mean, it was a very convincing, like frightened, but I can't move. I, I'm trying to cough, but I can't really, you know, so he's like making these sort of squeaks and grunts trying to, to, to cough up what's in his lungs and yeah and it's taken him some time and he was very very convincing oh totally i really think that um the acting on his behalf was very good yeah. i mean he was a very convincing kid actor he didn't feel like in a lot of movies that came out around then and hell come out today right where it's just like i'm the little kid actor look at me I you know, know aren't i precocious he really cute? felt he was not precocious. He felt like a real kid. Uh-huh. And that's what I liked so much about um, about him was he felt real. He mm-hmm. wasn't like, I mean, like I said, I really shouldn't compare this movie to The Changeling because they're two completely different films. But, you know, I, I, I felt that when, you know, we're listening to the voice going, you know, oh, you killed me, you know, type right. of thing. Um, and then you look, it, that felt contrived where as opposed to you know, um, Davy's performance, uh-huh. it felt real, uh-huh. you know, and, and I mean, I, like I said, it's, I, I really shouldn't be comparing the two, but it just seemed, you know, well, it, I have to say felt... though, that, that scene in the changeling, when you see his father drown him in the bathtub is pretty fucking upsetting. Yeah, true. <laughs> but anyway, but this kid is, he's got this really great relationship with his parents and, and I really like the scene where um, after this happens, basically Ben is sort of the first person to clue in that something's wrong in the house. Yeah. And, uh, and then shortly after the heater incident is when his aunt Elizabeth dies. That's Betty Davis's character. And she goes from being this like great sort of plucky, vibrant, you know, the kind of old lady you want to be basically. Uh-huh. She still goes and gets her hair done, wears makeup and smokes and drinks and cusses, you know, and, yeah. And she's like this fun, vibrant personality and the house is, I love her. Right. And the house basically sucks her dry, turns her into a husk and then it kills her. Yeah. And uh and so after that, uh Ben, Oliver Reed's character, starts to suspect that something is wrong with the house. 
-hmm. and he won't let Davy uh, sleep alone. And so there's a great scene where you see Davy asleep in his bed, and uh, Ben has fallen asleep in the chair next to his bed reading a book, because he doesn't trust the house to not try and kill him again. Well, he wakes up, and the house is changing itself. It's because it's, it's managed to kill Elizabeth. And so it's sloughing off damaged, uh, like roofing and yeah, it's actually a really cool scene. Yeah. I have to admit where it's um, renewing itself basically. I, and I have to admit for during a time where there was really no CGI or anything like that, watching this really cool scene of the house regenerating right. itself or less and buckling and, and, and shuddering and yeah it's like buckling and you see the walls crumbling down and you see the like like you see the old walls crumble down and then you see new fresh painted beautiful walls underneath right it was really a cool effect yeah it really I was i loved it well, it worked for me ben freaks <laughs> the fuck out and he grabs davy and runs out of the house and he tries to get uh, Marion to come too, but she, I don't remember why she wouldn't come. She wouldn't listen or something. And so he throws him into the car and he's hysterical and Davy's hysterical. And I thought that scene was great because the kid who played Davy, man, he must have worked himself up into a freak out because he's like screaming and he's like hitting Oliver Reed's character, like just pounding on him and he's like screaming, we have to go back for mom. We have to, and like, and he's freaking out the way a kid would freak out basically. Well, yeah. I mean, it felt real. And he's wailing. When he's screaming, and, Dad, Dad, stop, please right, stop, stop. You know, and he's like screaming that. Tears are well, running down his know, face and snot's coming out of his nose. And Oh, yeah. And it was real. It, it really felt 100% real. Yeah, and I mean, and that's a lot to ask for, uh, of a 12-year-old actor. Oh, yeah. He was great. Yeah, he, he was, was fantastic. He was, and he was a really cute kid, too, which was nice. Oh, yeah, and like I said, the performances felt real. Right. Like, very real. Right. And that's what I loved so much about it. So, right. and it, it was uh, awesome. It's interesting, too, because it's one of those movies where, there, I mean, there's, there's virtually, there, there's a little bit of blood here and there. There's virtually no gore. And then there's sort of a one big shocker at the very end. And that's yeah. sort of when it all comes to play. And that's when the house kills them, basically. Yeah. And you're kind of like, oh, oh. Yeah. Like yeah. And that part, I have to say, was really freaky because, of course, you know, because they almost get away. And that's, that's the part that just kills you. And see, this yeah. is one of those movies they where... they are so close. Yes, where... Because, you know, it's it's like... I liked the movie. I really did. But I really... I, I'm not that wild about the downer endings that so many horror movies have. In yeah. this case, though, it was necessary. It right, it was necessary. Otherwise, yeah. I mean, it, it probably still would have been an entertaining movie, but it wouldn't have been as good as it was. And it's I a lot... I have to admit that I agree with you in terms of... The, I mean, like I said, I don't like those films, like what you're talking about, where they go, oh, everything's wonderful and happy, and oh, gotcha, you right, know, type of thing at the end. Right. No, everything's horrible, haha, you know, because I feel kind of screwed well, when yeah, that shit I, I hate it when it's like, you know, they do everything they're supposed to do, and they beat the monster, and everything's fine, and then all of a sudden, oh no, you didn't really beat him. We're not going to say why you didn't really beat him. Like, one of the reasons why I didn't like Drag Me to Hell was because the ending did that. Uh, well, I actually liked the ending to Drag Me to Hell because I, that's how I felt it should have ended. But that's well, just she me. was a bitch. I'll go into she, that She later, had it coming. But... But, but they did the same thing where it's like you think she's done what she was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly all the shit that's gone wrong in her life magically turns around. And then all of a sudden, nope, just fucking with you. And she gets dragged down to hell. And it's like, well, then why did her luck change? 
Yeah, I guess the only thing about Drag Me to Hell was that was one of the very few movies where I, I actually appreciated that ending. But we'll go into that if we ever do Drag Me to Hell. <laughs> but, right, but that being said, well, I mean, I'm not, I mean, bitch had it coming. I well, yeah. I found her completely dislikable in, in Drag Me to Hell, <laughs> but it's it's the leap of logic that I can't fucking stand. Well, yeah, I can understand that. But I, I agree with you in terms of, I felt that if this film burn offerings didn't end like that i would have felt gypped yeah and it, it just it rode been... off into the sunset you wanted it to happen but the right. thing is, is if it did happen it would have felt like the whole film was just empty and you'd be well, like well, what the fuck was that yeah i think i think if they hadn't had the big shocking and or shocker ending then it just would have been a really long boring movie where some yeah. kind of and interesting I... shit happened but I really ended. wouldn't call it a shocker ending. Like I kind of saw it coming through most well, no, of the film. Well, no, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's totally translate or, or uh, tell or fuck. What's the word I'm looking for? Were they telegraphed? That's it. It's totally yeah. telegraphed. I mean, but it it's the way it plays out that's shocking because, like I said, there had been very little blood. Yeah. Um, other than Davy skinning his knee and then Ben's nose bleeding when Davy busts him upside the head, that's really all the blood that there is in the movie. Until yeah, the very end. And then, you know, in a movie that has gone to great lengths to show you nothing, suddenly it shows you everything. Yes. And so what I found to be particularly disturbing is when, you know, all this shit has happened and, and finally Ben is like, I've had it. We're leaving tomorrow. You can, he says to Marion, you can come with us or you can stay, but I'm taking Davy and I'm getting out of here tomorrow. Well, by this point in time, she's seen enough. She's like, yes, we're all going. We're leaving tomorrow. So they get everything all packed up. The car's loaded up. It's in front of the house. They're in the car. They're getting ready to leave. And all of a sudden, she says, oh, but I, I forgot oh, to yeah. tell Mrs. Allardyce that we're leaving. Yeah. Oh, we, I have to go. And the first thing I say is, oh, bitch, stay in the house. Right. What are you doing? <laughs> right. What the fuck are you doing? And I'm laughing because I'm kind of, I'm, I'm actually really laughing at that whole uh, scene just because... I, I'm sure everyone was all, bitch, stay in the car! Right, you know, right. But it, it is one of those things where I would have, I, and it actually explained it because by then, Ben is so beat up, he could barely walk. Yeah. Because he's, of he's all actually, the shit with the car and his head well, injury and all that. Right, and he's been like in a coma, sort of, And he's like, like mentally beat and, up, and, and, it's, and, and so that makes sense why he didn't, but honestly, if he wasn't all that, he should, he probably would have physically restrained oh, her. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Duck taped her to the seat of the car and went, we are leaving, you oh, yeah. stupid bitch. Totally. <laughs> I mean, I could totally have seen him grabbing her, chucking her over his shoulder, getting down to the station wagon, dumping her in the back, getting in, driving away. And in a way, I kind of would have accepted that ending if it yeah, would have ended Yeah, I would have too, but that's just because I like it when Oliver Reed goes all manly You just like me. it when he gets all manly. I do. I like Dom and Oliver Reed. What can I say? But what I have to give this movie credit for is is... Of course they did the she goes back in the house thing, but they waited until the very fucking last second to pull it off. Just when you're starting to think, well, maybe they aren't going to get out. Then, of course, she goes back in the house and you know they're fucked. Mm -hmm. And so I think for me, the scariest part in, in the entire movie is when he, you know, they, they wait and they wait and they wait and he honks the horn. She's gone into the house. And so Ben's honking the horn, and finally he tells Davey, stay in the car, I'm going to go in and get your mother. And you know that this is a mistake. Well, yeah. he goes in, and he goes up the stairs, and finally, you know, he can't find her anywhere, so he goes into Mrs. Allardyce's room, and you finally, for the first time, you see Mrs. Allardyce. And you see her from behind, she's this small figure in a black dress with 
white hair pulled back in a bun, and she's sitting in a wheelchair looking out the window. Yeah. And he goes over to her, and he's like, you know, ma'am, I'm, I'm really sorry to bother you, but I'm looking for my wife. Have you seen her? And finally, she turns around, and it's Marion. Only That was fucking creepy. Right. Only it's not Marion, because did you notice they changed her eyes? They did. Well, they kind of gave her these kind of cataract eyes. Well, right, but, but Karen Black has dark brown eyes and so now well, she yeah. has these milky blue eyes well see i kind of i liked that because i thought that it made her look like oh my god she's dead type yeah. of cataract type of it was her but it, it was pretty much her dead or possessed right, or something right. like that well a court is supposed one wasn't going sideways so i will say that right <laughs> yeah they managed to line them up but <laughs> And so she basically says, I've been waiting for you, Ben. And he's like, oh, God, no, and starts to back away from her. Well, then you cut to outside where Davey's waiting in the car, and then you see Ben come sailing out that window. That was brutal. Yes, and land face fucking first on the windshield. And not only only face first on the windshield, but blood spatters all over poor Davey's face. It explodes through the windshield, cracks, spatters his son. Right, and so Ben, of course, or Davy, of course, freaks out and is hollering for his mother and climbs out of the car uh, just in time for one of the chimneys to fall off the roof and crush him. And that's the end of the movie. Yeah, well, no, much. I take it, I take it back. Well, there that's, is a little. That's not the end of the movie. There's there's a whole thing where up in Mrs. Allardyce's sitting room, you see all of these photographs. I mean, probably a couple hundred. Well, three new photographs have been added to it, and that's Aunt Elizabeth, Davy, and Ben, basically. Yes. And the very, very ending is Roz and brother coming back and saying, look at our mother. Isn't she beautiful? Look how young she is. We got our mother back is what yeah. they pretty much say. And that's like, oh, fuck. Right. And the so, ending was worth sitting through that film. I will right, say that. I right. really felt the ending delivered. Oh, it yeah, didn't totally. feel, you know, like, oh, God, I sat through this whole movie for this. Right. So I will give it credit. It may have dragged in a lot of ways. It's not one of my favorite horror films, but it had a really satisfying ending yeah it really did and then you know it's kind of one of those things where it's like oh shit it all makes sense now yeah it kind of all pieces itself together right and i will say that um oliver reed i really wish that oliver reed and betty davis did another film together yeah i don't know what it was about those two that had such great chemistry but you know they're walking slapping each other's asses right (laughs) Well, they I were really funny. To see, like a May December romance film between those <laughs> two. Or that is so that fucked been up. Awesome. That is fucking hilarious and so fucked up at the same time. Since this was one of her last movies before she I, died, you would have loved it. Of course, I would have. I'm playing. And I will say, you know, Betty Davis was continuing on with her total tradition of crazy old bitch in a haunted house type of yeah, pretty much. <laughs> But yeah, I would have totally been like, uh, like, yeah, they need to be in a, they need to be in a film together again. That only she could do. If only they're both dead, unfortunately. Yep. But would have been fucking cool. <laughs> gross, Salem. What's on the bottom of your feet? Ugh, you're so gross. Ugh. So Should I take it now. Uh, Salem's dirty feet is a good signal to move on to our second film. Sure. Other All than right. Oliver well, Reed is hot. Yeah, so I will say this is a recommend, even oh, yeah. though I, I would recommend it. I think it's worth watching for if you really like, if you're a completist when it comes to 70s horror films. Right. I, I would I would say catch it on cable yeah. instead of like, yeah. actively going out and buying the DVD. Right. I it, don't think it's, it, oh my god, phenomenal. Right. Uh, but it's entertaining, and if the you, acting is great, and Oliver Reed's hot, so if you're really yes, into Oliver Reed. Is. Um, yeah. It's, if you have Netflix, it's streaming right now. Yeah, that's how I watched it. Right, me too. 
So, yeah, there, there's a good way of checking it out, for sure, is just stream it. Right, but I definitely like would not, I wouldn't own it. Yeah, I don't think I would either. I, I'm glad I watched it. It wasn't, like, a waste of my time. No. It was good, but I doubt I'll ever watch it again, so. Yeah. I may, however, watch clips of Oliver Reed without his shirt on cutting down those vines, on the other hand. Oh, if that whole film was just him with his shirt off cutting I, vines, fuck, I'd be I like, this is the best movie ever. Hell yeah, I would have owned it. Yep. With his big old barrel chest. God love him. <laughs> it would have been awesome. Yes. Feels like, ooh, look at that. And he had like that, you know, that muscle tone that was all like not like ripped, chiseled, right. but it was like, oh, you're just kind of naturally yes. hot. That's okay. <laughs> I'm sure he's a drunk, burly, barrel chested angel now. Oh, I'm sure he is. I'm sure he's somewhere up in heaven drinking an entire bottle of bourbon. Right. Sexually harassing the female. Sexually angels. harassing Mary. <laughs> oh, now see that just ain't right. I know, but I had to go there. I wonder how much trouble this is you get Oliver Reed. For... Come on, yeah, I, yeah, he wouldn't be above making a pass at the mother of uh, the Christ, uh, mother of Jesus. Yeah, I'm like, don't tell me he would. <laughs> Going to hell for that remark, I know, but still, it's true. Just saying. All right, so uh, shall we move on to the next one? Yes. All right, so uh, the Burbs. Yes, the Joe I'm Dante I'm going to let you uh, sum up this one because that's one of your favorites. Yes, it is. Okay, so what was it, 1988, I think? Uh, let me pull it up and we'll find I'm out. pretty sure it's 1988 and it's, uh, how was it that I referred to it? It was a black absurdity. Yeah, black absurdity is yeah. what we were trying. It took us, what, like 15 minutes to come up with yeah, that term. Yeah, pretty much, because black comedy doesn't really do it justice because it's a little too doofy for that. You were but, close. It was 1989. Okay, 89. You're very but close. at the same time, it's, I mean, it, it, there's some pretty grim shit that they're laughing at in this movie. It actually came out in 1989 during a lot of films that came out that had that kind of black absurdity feel yeah. to it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, um, I think a good example of that was, like, the movies, like, um, She-Devil, which yeah. I love. Yeah. Nobody but, else does, but no, I love. No, I love that movie. I watched that about ten bajillion times, actually. Yeah, She-Devil, uh, The Burbs, um, I'm trying to think of some other ones. I had, like, a whole list, and now I can't think of a yeah. damn one. But there was a lot of uh, movies, that absurdity fi- type of feel. Right. With, that with came just out a, during oh, that Oh, Death time. Becomes Her? Death Becomes Her, yeah. yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, that, that, like that, that kind of feel where it's like, it's dark. It's morbid but as fuck, like but it's War still funny. Is another one. Right. It's morbid as fuck, but, but it's, it's still like, funny. It's, yeah, it's like just kind of morbid, but I wouldn't call it like a dark, dark comedy. I would just right. call it a kind of like, what the fuck right, type of comedy. Right. Dark so, absurdity. But, but yeah, it was that, I, and I, it kind of lives in that world right there. Right. Well, the, so. the general gist of it is, is, you know, you're in suburbia. It's like Springwood or Springfield or some generic suburban name. And uh, you have Tom Hanks, who's playing Ray, and he's married to Carrie Fisher, who is Elaine? Uh, Elaine. Elaine, okay. And they have a kid and a dog. You know, I mean, it, it's, it's your basic suburban paradise. Yeah, I Everybody's mean, it's like a, overly suburban. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Awesome. It's the kind of place where, you know, you go ape shit living in there. And uh, and you've got, you know, the wacky neighbors. Ray is really the, 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 the most normal of all of them, but... You know, you're that's not really saying much in this neighborhood. So you've got Art, who's his friend, who is played by I can't remember the guy's name, but he always plays this sort of oafish asshole comic uh, relief. His name, let me find it. Hold on, is oh god, where the fuck is his name? It's Art, is the character. I know they are. Oh, Rick uh, 
Ducumen. Right. He's Canadian. D-U-C-O-M-M-U-N. Ducumen. Sure. Because you know that's a very Canadian name. But Well, no, yeah, but you can hear it every time he opens his mouth. I know. Hey. And, and then uh, you've got Bruce Dern and Wendy Shaw as the lieutenant. Was that what they called her? Or the colonel? Uh, the colonel. The colonel. And who's, you know, obviously like a retired, like, Vietnam vet who I think left, you know, brought a little too much of Vietnam back with him, basically. Yeah. And Wendy Shaw, who, as we figured out, was previously the voice of Francine on American Dad, is very obviously his, you know, quite a bit younger trophy wife, who, she's not stupid, which is something I, I have to say to their credit. They didn't make her like an idiot, but she's very, like bubbly and friendly and just wants everybody to get along and you know and she's poured into these like tight pants and low-cut tops or if she's not just in her bikini the whole time and then you've got uh walter who is the retiree on the end of the the cul-de-sac who lets his dog go shit in everybody else's yard which is why his lawn looks great well then you get the weird fucking neighbors who move in and they're the uh clopex and they move yes. in, and the house, it, it, it's really hilarious the way they did it, because, you know, Ray and Art and, and the lieutenant and, oh, and then Ricky, or, or Bobby. No, Ricky. Yeah. Ricky. Um, hold on, I gotta pull up the damn thing. No, yeah, I, Ricky, which is Ricky. Corey Feldman. Right, played by Corey Feldman. And so, I mean, these houses are all just so fucking typical suburbia, especially suburbia at the end of the 80s. You know, they're all these big houses that have pristine paint jobs, and, you know, everybody mows their lawn twice a week, and... And, you know, nobody lets their lawn get away from it because they know that they'll be bitched out by the rest of the neighbors if they do. Well, then the Klopex move in and it's like somebody fucking transplanted the Adams family's house. You know, it's like landscaping. Right in the middle right, of, the of, of, of this suburban blandness. So it's like, you know, landscaping by Edward Gorey, basically. Yeah, and that's what makes dead. it laugh so hard is it's like green and beautiful, lush and like all of a sudden it's like the property line stops and it's like dead. Right. Brown, and, the, and, the, the uh, tree. and then beautiful, beautiful. It's right. like great. The tree is dead. You know, there's like this big old oak tree that has no leaves on it. And the house is like this moldering Victorian that it you know, has wood rot and needs to be painted. And, and the Klopeks are spooky. I mean, they're, yes. they're creepy. And, they're a creepy German families. What they and, are. Uh, and they only come out. Like, they drive this monstrous fucking land yacht, and you've got Courtney Gaines as Hans, who's, like, the youngest of the three. Oh, God, I laughed every time. They're like, what is your name, boy? My name is Hans. Hans. He's, <laughs> he's in his fucking lederhose in the entire time. And, uh, uh-huh. and, and he, you know, I, I've said before, but Courtney Gaines, when he was a young man, was the ugliest ginger on the planet. Yes, the he's grown, he's gotten much better now. Yeah, I mean now he he looks like a totally normal dude, but when he was younger, he was one of those kids who did not grow into his face for quite a while. He was yeah. like a redheaded Mick Jagger. Yeah, he was kind of creepy looking. Had, I, what I love so much about this is that I always remember him from, like, Children of the Corn, yes, where he pretty Malachi. much just screamed his entire way through that film. Oh, so. he, he had that, he had the, you know, his mouth was this weird combination of, like, a horse and a fish. Yeah. And he, but I love the fact that I, in this film, he, he, like I said, he screamed his way through every film I've ever seen him in up to this point. And right. then you see him in the burbs, and he doesn't, he barely says a word. And he's completely And when he does mute. speak, he like, he speaks so softly. Uh-huh. And I damn near died. And it took me a minute to recognize him. Yeah, and he's and then got when this, I did, I laughed even harder. Because he was all like, my like, name is his teeth are totally nasty. And then yeah. he's got this, like, he's got patchy. got weird facial hair. He's got, like, the patchy pubic hair, facial hair. And, uh, 
Oh, and he's just fine. You could, you know, you could tell he's, you know, it's like the sunlight has never touched his skin. Yeah. He's he's not white. I mean, he's he he's like, he's not even white. He's like the absence of color. Yes. You know, like white is not pale enough to describe him. Oh God, I damn near died when just he's pasty white, and that's probably the weirdest fucking facial hair yeah. ever. Well, it's, I mean, it looks like pubes. He's got pubes grown on his face. Like, they're, they're like, yeah. different, like, thicknesses. And, like, like it's sparse here, but it's really thick over here. And I'm laughing even more because all I could think of was, every time I see him, was Scott Tenderman from South Park with yeah. the pubes. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. And he's got, like, the yeah. nasty, nasty teeth. Like, you know, he's never flossed. And apparently, and all, all he eats is brown because. I still love it. My name is Hans. Oh god, it's fucking hilarious. Well, of that course, little tiny voice still makes me laugh every time I think about it. Well, and then there's Reuben, who's played by brother Theodore, who has never delivered. Oh, a, oh my god, who he has never so delivered mean. a line without screaming. Oh yeah, and then of course, there, subtle is not in this man's name. No, and then what was it? Heinrich was that Henry Gibson's character? I don't remember. Henry the, Gibson's character's name was uh, Doctor Werner Klopek. Werner, oh, right? Hein- Werner, um, really? Werner? Oh my god. Yeah, Werner. Ruben and Hein uh, and Hans. Right, and uh, and he's the doctor, and he's so very clearly an escaped Nazi war criminal. It's not. Oh even, God, it's yes. Not even, uh, it's. I mean, even he clicks his heel. Yeah, like, when, when he, he bows over their, their uh, hands. Anyway, so you know the basic setup is that you get this weird fucking family that moves in, and then you get these assholes living in suburbia who have nothing better to do with their time but spy on their neighbors. Yeah, and so the whole premise of the movie, like the setup, really that they're sort of leading you to believe is that these people are harmless. And then, but, but then every once in a while they'll do something that's just creepy enough to make you go, wait a second. Yeah. Like when Hans drives the garbage out. Oh, so Ray Art and that was the, the Colonel. Scene. There's a scene where he drives, literally just drives down the driveway. The yeah. Like driveway, which is like what? Five feet in the long. biggest car in the world. Yeah. Oldest fucking car ever. And he, like, pulls it out really slow. And my favorite was is every time the garage door opens, this green shaft of life right. like, kind of shoots out and there's, like, fog. And then it's, like, this organ music. Right, and like, it's all... Like, oh, Fortuna starts playing or something. Like, literally 0.5 miles per hour right. out of the driveway. And then he comes out and he throws the garbage bags from his trunk into the, into the, uh, the trash can. And then beats the living shit out of the Right, with a hoe. And, of course, the bags are just big and lumpy enough that it could maybe be a body, like... Yeah. You're not quite sure what it is, but right. he beats the shit out of it and then gets back in the car and just backs And then backs the back in. And, and the, the hilarious part about this car, too, is you never see this car grow, drive it faster than a crawl. Yeah. And I, like I said, I think it's a total of, like, two, two miles per hour on the street and .5 in the driveway. Oh, yeah, totally. You'll see so it drive out of the cul-de-sac, and it's like it's like it's like this slow, ominous creep as it drives away. It's all, Pretty much, yeah. And so, oh, uh, God, it was awesome. And so, as you know, more time goes on, they're becoming more and more obsessed with what the Clopex are doing, much to their wife's chagrin. And then, to make matters worse, Walter, their bitchy old neighbor, disappears, and they find his toupee and his dog, but no Walter. Yes. So they're becoming convinced that the Klopex have killed Walter. And, uh, you know, and so, you know, again, we're going to spoil this because we spoil everything. Because we destroy everything mm-hmm. we touch. Yes. Well, part of, the reason, part of the reason why I love this movie is because 
it doesn't end the way you expected it to. You really It doesn't. I will admit that. Right. So so the the Denouement comes and you know Ray and Art and the Colonel have essentially destroyed the Clopex house. I mean they have destroyed their property. They dug up the backyard, they break into the house, they dig up the basement and break a gas they pretty uh, much main. Destroy everything. Yeah, in that they house, they they break a gas main, and then the furnace blows the house up basically. And so you know, fiery cataclysm is what happens when the Clopex come back with the police in tow. And so you're thinking, oh shit, because Ray Tom Hanks' character is a very likable character. He's surrounded he, he's by kind of the every guy, right? He's kind of the one. He's the, the only audience is supposed to relate to. Right. He's the only quasi-normal one in this group, which I think, again, was done deliberately because, you know, you live if, if you live in an area like this, of course you're the no- normal one and everybody's had fucking weird neighbors. Yes. And Art, in particular, is the quintessential weird fucking neighbor. Anyway, <laughs> so you're really expecting the movie to end with it. You know, it turns out that the Klopeks were, were nice people all along. I was, and I was almost disappointed thinking oh it's gonna be one of those right and and everyone learned a lesson exactly everybody learns an important lesson like like you know saturday some people will never change they'll never learn their lesson i was expecting everybody's different we're gonna learn about diversity well no no it turns out the clopex are fucking serial killers and uh it ends with uh Dr. Klopek trying to separate Ray from his skull, and then Ricky, the obnoxious teenager uh, played by Corey Feldman, finds the, I don't know, what would you say, 50, 60 skulls in the back of their giant land yacht? Oh, hey, I swear to God, it looked like something out of the set of Poltergeist. Oh, yeah. It looked like they pretty much just took a strainer to the pool in Poltergeist. Yeah, and just pretty much, the and they just dumped it all <laughs> in the trunk. And so that was the hilarious part for me. I mean, well, the whole movie is hilarious, but... That really cracked me up because they, the movie really sort of suckered you into thinking, you know, these were just these nice people that, you know, were weird and kept to themselves. But, but you know, the, the, the commentary was on suburbia, that there's nothing better to do in suburbia but ostracize those who are different than you. Yeah. Well, it turns out, no. <laughs> nope. The Klopex really uh, are killing people. suspicion was correct. In fact, the Klopex killed the previous people who lived there because they wouldn't sell their house. And so, you know, but but the the movie but weren't they the ones in the actual trunk? I don't. Or were they the ones buried in the backyard? I right? I, I I don't remember. I don't think they ever came out and said because there was way too many to. I mean, they may have been in the trunk, but there were. I mean, literally like fifty skulls in there. Yeah, there was probably at least like you know an entire country in their backyard, right. in their backyard, <laughs> they, and in their trunk. <clears throat> they'd obviously been doing this for a while. Yes. But the hilarious part about this too, though, is the characters. And just the way they're played, like, Bruce Dern as the colonel, holy fuck, did he kill me. I think in part because I know that if I'm any of them, I'm probably him. Because he would, you know, he would start poking at somebody and find their sore spot, and then he would just start jabbing a little harder. And the best is when they're, they they finally essentially, you know, socially knuckle their way into the Klopex house. And, uh... What was it he said? It's uh, Brother Theodore, of course, is, you know, because he yells every line he delivers. Well, yeah. And, nothing, nothing subtle. And, and he cool. says, like, you know, hey, Klopek, uh, 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 is that Slavic there, Rube? And Ruben's like, no! And he goes, wow. <laughs> what is it? Wow, Ruben, you're, you're about a nine on the tension scale there. It was so funny. <laughs> Everything that, my favorite scene ever in that entire, I mean, the whole movie really tickled me. 
But what my favorite scene was when they're all sitting in the Klopex house because, uh, you know, Carol, which is Tom Hanks's, you know, Ray's wife, played right. by Carrie Fisher, who was gorgeous, may, yeah. I, may I add, in that film. Uh-huh. And uh, Bonnie, who was uh, the colonel, or was he colonel? No, lieutenant. Okay, right. He was lieutenant. Um, his wife decided to pretty much say, we're going to go over there and we're going to talk to them civilly and find out what the fuck's going right. on. Hoping that their husbands and, and neighbors around. would stop harassing them, basically. And they wouldn't let Art go because Art's a retard. Because Art's so they, they, they leave Art behind. But I laugh because they're sitting in the house. And they're all, like, quietly sitting. And and Ray, Tom Hanks, is sitting there. And he and, and uh, Ruben is sitting next to him, this old, you know, withery old man who looks kind of like a, like a cross between, um, someone's grandpa and a baboon. Well, yeah, didn't we say he looked like the door knocker from Labyrinth? He did look like the door knocker from Labyrinth. And he's sitting there, and he's just staring, he's boring holes into poor, uh, Ray's head, and Ray's just trying to ignore it. And watching Tom Hanks do this really hilariously subtle performance of nothing's happening. Nothing's oh yeah, happening. this is probably this has the funniest, be like, most awkward scene. Yes, ever. this has to win some kind of fucking award for most like painfully awkward scene in history. Yeah, and part of the reason why Reuben is staring at him is because Art, who is a fuck up, wrote a note that basically says, "I know what you did," and dumps it on his do- on his door. Well, of course. Ray's house is right next to the Klopex, so the Klopex I'll think it's Ray who sent the note and not Art. Yes. So hence Ruben's animosity, you know, boring holes into him. Yes. Oh god, it was so fucking yes, hilarious. That, and that then, stare. And then that, he does like, that ending stare. He does that fucking cough sneeze thing. The, can't, can't, can't. I don't even know what he was doing. I thought he was having a seizure. <laughs> when I was younger. <clears throat> I thought he was choking on the sardine bones. Yes. And I don't think that's what it's supposed to be, but when I was little, I was convinced it was the... Because they're handing out sardines and crackers for, you know, because why oh, not, Oh, God, right? and he had to eat the giant sardine. That was the biggest fucking sardine yes, I've ever it was. seen. Yes, it was. And he's like, down. he's like fishing it out of the tin and trying to catch it on his finger. It's got the, like, and, you know, the goo falling off Right, it. it's still got the <laughs> eyes and... That was the ugliest fucking sardine ever. Yes, and I actually like was. sardines. I do too, but I don't think I'd want to eat anything from the Klopex house. Oh, I damn near died, though. I was like, what the shit? Right, and, and there's just all of this, like, great sort of background humor that you tend to kind of gloss over until you've watched it a couple times. Like, I love it when, at the very beginning, when the Klopex first move in, uh, Ray and Art are out in his garage, and the, the door's up, it's, it's like evening's coming, and he's like... You know, they're, they're just shooting shit and drinking beer, and he's like, oh, yeah, and I got some tools from, from Carol's husband, or from Carol's dad. And Art's like, oh, are you going to use them? And he's like, maybe. Because <laughs> that's just what you do in suburbia if you're a man, apparently, is you ask for tools. And uh, and then maybe you'll use them. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so there's, like, all of this, like, little shit like that. And then, of course... My personal, I think what's probably my favorite scene in the entire movie, which is Ray's downstairs with Art in the basement. And Art, of course, because Art is an instigator and a moron, which is a dangerous combination. Dude. And uh, he's the one who's convinced that there's something weird about the Klopex. And he's the one who's convinced that they murdered the previous neighbors and blah, blah, blah. 
And the so part is he was right. I know. Well, I think it's just because weird tends to recognize weird when it shows up. And art was definitely fucking weird. So, uh, he's, you know, he becomes convinced that there's something wrong with the Clopex and they find they're, they're in the backyard arguing and Ray's just trying to nap on the, you know, like on his lawn chair in the backyard and art comes over and starts spewing his ridiculousness and, and Ray's dog comes over with a bone in his mouth and they realize it's a femur, which is one of the oh, long yeah. bones in the leg. I love this. And they do this, this hilarious where they're like, oh my God, Ray, that's Walter. And they both start screaming and the camera starts panning back and forth while they're screaming. It's like in out, in yeah, out. They're like, yeah. Yeah. It's the most like dramatic thing I have ever seen. It's so right. it's hilarious. hilarious. And so then like next scene, they're down in, in the basement and Ray is trying to, conv- or uh, Art is trying to convince Ray that they've got to do something about it. And Ray, you know, he doesn't want to get involved in any of this. So he's plugging his ears and he's like, I can't hear you at all. And, and Art's like, oh my God, Ray, do you hear what you're doing? You're chanting. That's how they get to you, Ray. They get to you with a chance. And, you know, and he's still going, I, I can't hear you. And he's like, Satan yeah. is good. Satan is a friend. That's how they get into your head. Well, so then that <laughs> night... He has and his, then later on, there's the dream sequence. Yes, he has his epic dream sequence where the neighbors are barbecuing him on a giant Weber kettle. And they're and, all dressed like Satan worshippers. Right, they're all they're dressed like something out of the Omen. Satan is good, Satan is a friend. Yeah, Satan we is good, Satan everybody. is a pal, we want to kill everyone. <laughs> Which and, I think is probably the best satanic chant God, ever. yes. And I don't know why that chant cracks me up so far, but I still do it to this day. I think it's fucking hilarious where he's all Satan is good, Satan, Satan is, is a friend. I, I want to kill everyone. I think that was one of the funniest parts when he, when just that chant and just hearing everyone saying it in like serious tone. Right, like it, like it's the, made me laugh. Like it's the the Latin choral music from the Omen or something. Satan yeah. is good, Satan is Satan a is good, I want to kill French. everyone. <laughs> that was the best. I absolutely loved that. Yeah, and then oh, man. you've got the hilarious subplot of Ricky, the obnoxious next-door neighbor. Oh, paint his house paint over his house, over again. right. And he's the only one who wises up and realizes the, you know, free entertainment that's going on. Yes. Since he's I will like, have to say, um, oh, go ahead, finish with that. But just, just since I'm he's the one who's, you know, inviting all of his friends over to watch the show, basically. Um, I, I have to admit, though, just kind of off-subject of characters is the Burbs had probably some of the best like design elements I've ever seen in something in a movie like that. Uh-huh. It was, uh, and remember I was talking about that last episode, which nobody heard, um, was that it, it really, like everything was done so beautifully in terms of like all of the houses were in pastels and everything was perfectly manicured and everyone had the perfect eighties wallpaper right. on the inside of the house and all the other people were, like, dressed almost stereo, except for Ray, who was supposed to be every man. But even he was dressed kind of like a stereotypical average Joe. Right. And Art with his bowling shirt for every fucking occasion. Right. Like, that was my favorite was Art had an outfit for every occasion. Like, he'd show up, like, when he was trying to break into the uh, Clopex's house, and he had, like, the black bowling shirt and the black pants. Right. And he had the really bad shoe polish on his face. Right, which is hilarious because they're doing it in the middle of the fucking day so he stands out like a sore thumb. And then they showed, like, later on, (laughs) they're, like, trying to, uh, like, fool Carol that they're just gonna go out, you know, 
golfing, and he shows up with the this, most, like, stereotypical golf outfit. Right, the most, loudest golfing effort it's like out, bright out, pink that's ever been red. made. Orange and green. And, and then when he's, um, they asked him to climb up, and then, of course, it's the same fucking day. Same, almost, like, five minutes later scene. And they're like, well, Art's gonna go up the telephone pole and cut some wires, and he's in a completely, like, coveralls and a hard hat and he looks like an electrician right like you can just imagine he's got this you can just imagine he's got this wall or or this like you know like wall length closet that's full of his different costumes oh i know it just made me laugh because all i can imagine is him going hold on a minute guys i have to change my clothes and then running (laughs) out and of course rumsfield is is in you know various stages of camouflage Oh, God, it was so great with him. I, I actually really thought Art's character, even though he was so fucking obnoxious, was so fucking hilarious. Oh, scene. yeah. And um, But I love that. And the design was great, just how they really... I, I mean, it really was... They played up to the stereotypes, but it worked in that kind of... Since the whole film was so fucking absurd... Right. It needed to look absurd to really fit in with that right. wacky, strange script. Right. And and I think if it was like they tried to play it look to look too like Joe average normal realistic, I don't think it would have even come across as funny as it. No, is. no, I think a lot of the humor would have been lost or truncated. I think so too, and that's what I loved so much about it was it was just this great, just oh everything was so over the top about this film and it was unapologetic. Right, right. Well, and, and there just be like weird shit in it, like like when Ray has his nightmare, right? about yeah. the neighbors barbecuing him. And then the next morning he wakes up and he's laying like face down on the bed. Like he's completely fa- like face planted in the pillow. And it's like, who yes. fucking sleeps like that? Yeah. <laughs> and he's just like, Bleh. Yeah, and I love the whole dream. The dream sequence cracked me up when he's walking down the hall and he's looking for his wife and he's all, Carol? He's walking down the stairs, Carol, and that chainsaw is like, right. <laughs> And then I mean, his facial expression, it wasn't of terror. It was like, what the fuck? Right. It wasn't even like, oh, oh, James Ollie. He was just like, um, what is happening? Right. It was just hilarious. Like, yeah, that'll happen. Yeah, exa- yeah, exactly. Like, well, what are you going to do? You know? Yeah. What are you going to do? The chainsaw. Someone just cut the side of my house off. All right. Well, that'll happen. It was just, it, it really, and I have to admit, I think Tom Hanks is really at his best when he plays this type of character. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, totally. I love him when he plays, like, things like Big, and he plays the the over-the-top absurd, but he was so Joe normal in this, and he was almost pretty much the straight man in that yeah, film. Yeah, yeah. That, I think that's what I liked so much about it, was that he played the straight man so well, to, everyone was so over-the-top, you know, um, with Rumsfeld, and... And the Clopex, and everyone was, like, at, a, at like, a, a 10 or 11, and he kind of stayed steady until the very end at, like, a 5. Right, until, until he, he totally finally fucking flips out. The end. And my favorite is, at the very end, when he flips out, and he's, like, bandaged, and his, his eye is swollen. Gone, and lost it in the explosion, and he just fucking flips out, almost, like, strangles Art to death, right. and grabs the gurney that the uh, ambulance people is, and he throws it in the ambulance, and he runs, and he throws himself down on the gurney like a kid having a tantrum. Oh, yeah, he goes, I'm sick. I'm sick. Take me to the hospital. Take me to the hospital. I'm sick. And then my favorite is a long pause, and you just see Carrie Fisher peer in and go, honey, I'm just going to meet you there, okay? I'll I'll ask them where they're going to take you. (laughs) Okay, honey. And then I said, the big long pause, he goes, okay. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> it was awesome. It, well, I love too. It, when it was he, probably the, good when he's getting bitched out by the police, and he just looks at her. Yes, you got your hair done, and then the cop bitches him out some more, and he just looks at her again and goes, "I really like your hair." Because <laughs> he just—that's all he can focus on. Yeah, I really like your hair. Everything else is turned to shit. All he can focus on <laughs> is his wife's haircut. It just keeps going back to that. I really like. Did you, I really like your hair, honey. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's kind of a nice moment because you really do get the impression that she's really the only person I think who understands him fully. Yeah. You know, like, and I love the fact that it kind of started where you think something's wrong with Ray because when you first see Ray, he's a little twitchy in the beginning. Oh yeah. He's, so you know he's pretty much just like maybe one, you know, one thing shy of a complete nervous breakdown. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. He really is a fun comedy. And I'll be honest, this is the first time I've ever seen the burps. Which I never saw that before. Force me. We had it on tape and I watched it over and over when I was younger. Of course I missed, you know, three fourths of it, but <coughs> But uh, yeah, the first, this is the first time I've ever seen it. Was for the show. I've never. I mean, I've seen clips of it and all that, but I honestly have never really watched it all the way through. Now the Burbs is great. I actually ended up buying it because uh, somebody I don't remember what podcast now did a, a review of it. It's been a couple of years now, and I had forgotten all about it. I was like, oh my god, the Burbs! I loved that movie. And they did the review, and I laughed so hard. It might have been Night of the Living podcast, and I laughed so hard listening to it that I ended up ordering it on Amazon, and it's one of those movies where, to the best of my knowledge, they still haven't come out with any kind of a special edition, so you can get, like, a, you know, the bare-bones, cheap yeah. DVD for, like, six bucks if you and pay attention. And that's on streaming, too, by the way. Oh, is it? Oh, okay, good. Yeah, that's how I was able to watch it, was streaming. Thank God for streaming. Well, supposedly, people are, I guess, you know, like, the hardcore fans are, like, stumping for a special edition, so I would, would frankly love to see this with commentary with all of the, the, the principal characters. Because holy shit, how fucking funny would that be, right? Oh god, that'd be awesome. <laughs> Get like Joe Dante. And you can in there kind with... of tell that they all had a really good time making that uh, that film. You yeah. can just kind of tell by the chemistry of the cast that everyone was just having a grand old time. Oh yeah, and it was just—it's just—it's such a silly movie. I have a hard time believing anybody took it seriously. And there's there's plenty of Pratt falls. I think Rumsfeld falls off the roof at least once. Ray falls. Or not Ray, uh, Art falls off the roof and he electrocutes himself. Doesn't he land on the fence on his crotch or something? Oh my god, that was so fucking Yeah, the hilarious. part where he electrocutes himself Well, no, himself he, he electrocutes great. himself and he falls into the shed. But I thought at it? one point he fell too and he landed oh, on no. his nuts well, on well, something. Oh no, well that was the first time when he dressed all in black. Okay, that must have been it. And then he's trying to get over the fence... Oh, and the, the dog came charging there's out. there's that electrical line, and he pretty much electrocutes himself and, stride, and lands, you know, crotch first on a picket fence. Right, which is and always funny. And then the second time is when he's cutting the wires, and he blows himself through the roof of the shed. <laughs> and you look up later, like, this, the camera pans through a art-shaped hole uh-huh. in the top of the shed. <laughs> That's great, because his fingernails are black and his hair standing up. I and... love that scene, because... He comes out, and he's obviously electrocuted. The hard hat's melted. His fingers are all black. The, the 
gloves are all like blown away. And while this whole like scene is going on, you see the guy in the back, Art in the back, like touching his feelings, going, "My feelings are my hot. feelings are hot." And he's looking at his fingers, <laughs> and he's just doing this hilarious, like, "I can't close my mouth. I can't close my mouth. My mouth is too hot." Right. Like, like he's not quite sure what the hell just happened. Yeah, and it's so subtle because it's all done like in the background. But right. I, I couldn't pay attention to what was going on in that scene because that scene made me laugh so hard. Yeah, well, art was kind of, anytime art was on camera, there tended to be something like that. Like, there was the scene where, you know, like I, I of course, said before, nobody heard, but when art is trying to break into the Klopaks, while Ray and Rumsfeld and their wives are entertaining, will have, you know, muscled their way into the Klopaks' house, and they're having the most awkward neighbor uh, get-together in history, he's trying to force a window in the basement or something, and so he's, you know, the window is, like, partially recessed, so he's sitting there, like, in what would be a flower bed, but is now just a dirty pile. And he finds a fucking comb, and he, like, mm-hmm. picks up the comb, and he, like, runs his finger down the tines and puts it in his pocket, oh, and yeah. it's like, Blink. of course. Like, Ew! I know, of course, Art would keep, would keep a fucking <laughs> comb that he found on the ground. It's like, who does that? Exactly. Honestly. Art does, does that. that. That too. Well, and then at the very beginning, when you first meet Art, when Ray is eating that breakfast and Art just barges in and starts eating their breakfast. Yeah. And he's like, hey, are you going to eat this? And, and he's always, he always like beelines to people's refrigerators. And my favorite was there's one part in the beginning during the breakfast scene where he's like rooting through the refrigerator and he holds up a fucking pineapple and goes, are you guys going to eat this? <laughs> I, oh my yeah and he's walking through with this joint i'm like you have an entire fucking pineapple yes of course they're gonna fucking eat the pineapple Put the it back, you and fool. then later on when they go and they investigate um walter's right because they're trying to find if walter and he disappeared and he starts going through walter's refrigerator and he's just taking shit out oh yeah and and he, 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 he's like hell? swiping shit from walter's house it's like what what the shit dude it's it's so funny to me. I mean, it just it just really cracks me. Oh up. yeah, there's so many fucking hilarious moments in this film. Well, all there's... of the characters are really this great ensemble of bizarrity, and and while Ray is our yes. everyman, even he has his moments where you're even just like, he's a little off. They're <laughs> just like, what the fuck is wrong with you, dude? Well, what I love too is, you know, at the end before Henry Gibson's character Werner tries to kill him. Yes. And he's in the ambulance, he goes, oh, Dr. Klopex, or Dr. Klopex, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, but you know what I'm going to do, Dr. Klopex? You know what I'm going to do when I get out of prison? Carol's wife, or Carol's husband, or shit, Carol's dad gave me some tools. When I get out of prison, I'm going to help you rebuild your house. Oh, yeah, and it became that <laughs> running gag about Carol, <laughs> Carol gave me some, Carol's dad gave me some tools. Yeah, and how he's going to do all this shit with these tools that he obviously has no idea how to use. Oh, God. I, I love that when he's all, um, I got some tools. I'll rebuild your house. Yeah, it I love just... it. When I get out of prison, I'm going to help you rebuild your house. Oh, God. It just is fucking hilarious. It really is. Uh-huh. And it just keeps getting funnier. And then the fact that it turns out that, oh, yeah, the Klopex are fucking lunatic murderers makes it even oh, funnier. Yeah. I was almost afraid, though, the film was going to end with, like, the ambulance closing and, you know, the Klopex killing Ray. Right. And that's the end of the film. And I, I was so glad it didn't end that way. I'm kind of glad it ended the way it did. It uh-huh. needed to end that way. Yeah, I because think, I, I think what it I, just good. It just needed that payoff of, you know, the poor guy 
who didn't want any part of this whatsoever, right, was kind of getting sucked into it and found himself just kind of getting over, you know, thrown into this horrible situation, and then getting totally obsessed with it himself. And it, and I was like, oh god, if they kill the one character that you're right, the for, one legitimately likable character, other yeah, than the I'm gonna wives. be pissed. And they didn't, and I was so happy that it ended the way they did. Yeah, I don't it know. Was has, great. I don't think Joe Dante's done a movie movie in a long time, has he? No, I think the last few things he did was the Masters of Horror. Yeah, which I haven't seen, but I've heard people either tend to love it or hate it. Yeah, but uh, I haven't most seen either. Of the, so. Most of the Masters of Horror sucked, so I kind of checked out after. I don't know. I think I watched like the first four or five, and I was just like, "Fuck it, I'm done." I actually haven't seen any of them. I have a few on Netflix that I heard were decent to check out, but um, yeah, I so- haven't really. Supposedly you know, a couple of them myself were to watch good. them yet. Supposedly a couple of them were pretty good. Um, I've heard Cigarette Burns is supposed to be good. I missed that one. And I've heard yeah. Fair, Fair-Haired Child is supposed to be good, too. Yeah, I heard Cigarette Burns is pretty fantastic. Yeah. So that's one of the ones I, I have on my that, list. But I watched Jennifer, and it was repulsive. That's what I heard. But I have that repellent. one on my list anyway, because I, I need to experience repulsive for myself. Uh, it was repellent. I, I did not enjoy Jennifer in the slightest. Mm-hmm. So, uh, recommend for the Burbs? Oh, definitely. Buy it. All right. The Burbs, yeah, especially if you have any memories of the 1980s like we do. Yes. Because I'd this have is... to say it has more relevance to um, people who really like the 80s and grew up in the 80s. Because I don't know. There's some things about that film that I just don't know if a lot of people would really... Yes. Well, I mean, to be fair, the, movie, the movie's enjoyable even if you didn't get it. Oh, you don't yeah, get it, it totally today. is. But I think to have the full experience, yes, you do have to have some kind of, you know, knowledge of sort of the, the mindless consumerism, I guess, of the 1980s mm-hmm. that led to suburbia's, you know, explosion and all of that. Yes. And so, yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's hilarious. It is really hilarious. I would honestly recommend that you buy it. It's it's a fun film. I think it's a great comedy. It has a lot of it has a little bit of a you know horror flavor to it, which I love. It's just fun. Yes, it, it really, really is. is. It's a fun movie if you just want to watch a good comedy that just makes you laugh and roll your eyes a lot. Oh yeah, definitely. It's plus, it's worth checking out. Plus, part of what makes it so funny too is is like the archetype of the neighbors. While you haven't had neighbors of this particular archetype, everybody's had weird neighbors. And so you're thinking, oh, yeah, so-and-so would fit right in with this crowd. Oh, yeah. Everyone has had just crazy neighbors. I know I had my share, you know. I really do have my share. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You and me both. Oh, yeah. (laughs) My favorite were the, uh, I had a a set of crazy neighbors that lived downstairs for me uh, when I lived in an upstairs apartment who, because the Mm -hmm. husband worked nights, that meant that I was supposed to reconfigure my entire schedule. So, you know, this was before MP3 players had really caught on. So whenever I cleaned my house, I would usually, you know, put on, like, Les Miserables or something like that and my CD player. So I'd have music while I cleaned the house. And it, one time, I, and the thing is, is I have never been the kind of person who blasts my music. If I'm yeah. going to blast my music, I generally do that in the car. Yeah. But, so I had it up, you know, I had it so that I could listen to it, but it wasn't screaming. Two o'clock in the afternoon, in the middle of summer, I'm listening to Gavroche sing "Little People," and I'm cleaning up my room. And the bitch downstairs starts banging on my ceiling with a fucking broomstick. Oh Christ! Well, I decided if she wanted to play, we could play. So I put on "Phantom of the Opera." I turned it up as loud as I could. I put my speakers face down on the floor, and I went out until ten o'clock in the afternoon or ten o'clock in the evening. And see, that's why I love you. Yeah. Well, that's when the noise ordinance is. 
And so, and you know, the thing is, is if she had come upstairs and said, hey, you know, my husband works nights, then I would have made a concerted effort to try and be quiet. But just because you can hear my music does not mean my music is keeping you up. Not to mention the fact that they sure as shit didn't hesitate to have their screaming domestic fights at three o'clock in the morning when my ass was trying to sleep. There it is. Yeah, so... (laughs) I actually had my favorite, like, weird neighbor. It wasn't really weird neighbors. It's just, like, asshole neighbor stories. Was well, In the apartment I used to live in uh-huh. uh, before we bought our house, uh, downstairs were um, really noisy neighbors that were renting the place. Oh, I remember and, these assholes. Oh, uh, this is, like, a total, no- like, notorious story within my circle of friends. And it's, um, they were, and the thing is, is I don't mind. I lived in a pretty urban area, and a lot of young uh, people lived in my apartment complex. There was a lot of, um, I, I lived in the gay neighborhood. I lived in the gayborhood in San Diego. You sure did. Um, and it was awesome. I loved living in the gayborhood. I lived there for like eight years, and I never lived, or not even eight years, probably about seven, six of the eight years I've been here in San Diego, I lived in the gayborhood, and it was fucking awesome. And this was near the end of our, you know, stint in the neighborhood when we finally bought our house. Yeah, we, because and, that was um, when Tanya and I came, these and neighbors you guys moved the next month. Yeah, it was, like, it was near the end. Well, the, the neighbors downstairs were really noisy. And on the weekends, I usually don't care if they want to be loud because right. we lived in a very, you know, you know, urban area. And we could hear the clubs from across the street until mm-hmm. late and all that. So I, the noise didn't bother me. The problem was these people would be up screaming and whooping and hollering during the weekday right. till like three in the morning. And, and not only would they be up right outside my fucking bedroom window, whooping and hollering and screaming until like three, four, five in the morning. And I had to get up at six to go to work. They also would like get excited and start pounding on the walls or something. Right. Like if they were laughing really hard and shake my bedroom floor and wake me up (laughs) and i'd be like are you fucking shitting me and so that was going on and max finally woke up because they woke us up like literally three times in a row we'd start to doze off and then they'd start in again and the bedroom would shake and we'd hear screaming out down the window and my favorite was is um i don't know why all these straight guys want to come suck my dick i'm all because they're not straight guys darling that's why i just want to say and it was just a bunch of young stupid gay clubber guys. Right. Not that I'm saying all gay guys are stupid. I'm just saying these particular gay guys were right. stupid as hell. Right. And yes, everybody has a stupid person in their race, gender, whatever. I'm just going to throw that out on the table right now. And um, they um, they were doing that. And Max finally just got up and went, I'm going to go downstairs and tell him to be quiet. And my husband's a very polite man for the right. most part. Right. When, uh, you know, first offense, he'll be very polite. So he went downstairs, knocked on the door, and nothing was funnier because I could hear him them through the bedroom window because I'm still in bed. Right. And I hear him go down because the walls are pretty thin in our in our old place. And he knocked on the door, and I hear all the guys on the patio go, shh, 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 maybe he'll go away. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, are you shitting me? And then I hear my husband come around to the patio. <laughs> <laughs> I go up to them and go, hey, um, hi, we're your upstairs neighbors. And he was very polite. He was like, hey, you know what? We're your upstairs neighbors. Both of us have to get up at 6 in the morning, and it's a, it's a Tuesday night. Could you guys just keep it down? And they were like, well, we're not doing anything wrong. And they're like, well, actually, you know, the noise ordinance laws here mean that you have to actually start quieting down at least by 10, and it's like 2 in the morning right now. Right. So, um so it pretty so he was like, "Could you keep it down?" And they were like, "Whatever, whatever." And they were really rude to him, uh-huh. but they did keep it down for the rest of the night, more or less. Next night they did it fucking again. 
Nice. So we had to go down there again and say, dude, seriously, we, we wake up early in the morning. Could you just keep it down? I don't care if you talk all night. Could you just take it inside so you're not underneath our bedroom window? Right. And then they bitched him out again, and they begrudgingly went inside. Next night, they did it again, and then they started smoking pot. Yeah, I remember that. Now, the thing <clears throat> is, I don't care if you smoke pot. It's your prerogative. The problem is, is my husband works for the government, and the pot smoke was wafting up from the patio into our bedroom window. And it made, like, the bed smell like pot. My pillow was smelling like pot. I was smelling like pot. I was getting hungry. I didn't know why. And, yeah, and, my, and my husband was like, fuck. Because he's like, if I inhale this, and they just decided to do surprise drug right. tests on me tomorrow, I lose my fucking job. Right. So he went downstairs again. And nothing was funny. It was the same thing. He knocked on the door, and it was the guys on the patio going, shh, 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 shh. Maybe they'll go away. You know, type of thing. So he comes around again, catches them. And he's like, well, are you guys smoking pot? And they're like, and the guy, of course, the one guy says, well, I, I, I have a medical, you know, license. I have medical marijuana. Right, I cough. smoke it. And he's all, I'm sure you can, but I'm sure all these other friends of yours that are holding the joints don't have a license. Or do you? Can I see it? And they all come <laughs> it. And then they were like, well, there's nothing you can do about it. And he goes, no, actually, there is something I can do about it. I work for the government, and if they do a surprise drug test on me and um, I get caught with the smoke in my body, which they very could well because of the amount of smoke that's coming through my our damn window right. could pretty much classify me as smoking it with you guys, I'm going to rat you people out. I have your addresses. Right. And they got really quiet. And he's all like, you don't want that to happen, do you? And they were like, mm, you went to the other room. <laughs> and then, of course, this is the funny part. And our other neighbors, our, our, the gay couple who live next door to us, they were livid. We were actually nice and confronted them personally. Uh -huh. Our gay couple neighbors next door uh -huh. just called the fucking cops on them every chance they could. Because they were up all night. They kept the entire neighborhood up. And then uh, and, and it just it escalated and just was into these hilarious things that my favorite was to get – they thought – that the gay couple next to us didn't call the cops. It was obviously me and Max, the straight couple upstairs, that called the cops because obviously we're homophobic. Of we have course, of course. It's There's your... no other reason we have a problem with them. We just must be homophobic. <laughs> it's your breeder I'm only propaganda. on a gay and lesbian podcast. Right. But, you know, you know there you go. I'm, I'm homophobic. Well, didn't and you say so... that eventually ended up getting kicked out? Oh, yeah. I'll get to that in a minute. Okay. But he... So they, 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 their revenge was they signed us up and got us gay, on the gay porn mailing list. <laughs> so we ended up with this envelope, this unmarked envelope, and my, and my husband's like, yeah, this is addressed. And the funny part was it wasn't addressed to us. It was addressed, and we recognized the name. It was one of the guys downstairs' name, but it was our address. <laughs> and we were like, what the fuck? And so Max popped it open because he's like, oh, i got to see what this is. So he popped it open, and it's totally like, big black cop, suck my cod, look right. at this cod, everything, with pictures. Right. And it's obviously, this is what, it wasn't even like porn, it was how you can order porn. Right. Gay porn. Because clearly and that'll be enough to break your little breeder psyches. Obviously. Nothing's funnier than, I hear, I, I, I hear him open the envelope, I'm at my computer, and I hear him do that scream laugh that he does when he's just so tickled. Right. And I hear, coming from the other room, and I come, I'm like, what? He goes, look what our neighbor sent us, isn't this awesome? And I look over, I start laughing, we both start laughing hysterically, and then my favorite, this is the best part, so now we're like, this is awesome, they, it's obviously they sent us in revenge. So later on, nothing's funnier than my husband coming down the stairs, and the guys are he encounters the other guys walking in the other direction and they kind right. of glare at him he looks at him he goes 
hey, I got your mail. <laughs> Thanks. Stared <laughs> <laughs> blankly at him like, what? It was so awesome. That's beautiful. They eventually did get kicked out because they kept making noise and they, they kept disturbing and bad-mouthing our, our neighbor, the gay couple next door. They're on the board oh. of, the, of the house, you know, the HOA board. Right. And they got him evicted. Good. And so nothing was funnier than watching them dejectedly move their shit out of that out of that condo. <laughs> Fucking serves them right, man. And I was all like, oh well, I'm gonna chef. <laughs> so it was pretty awesome. I used to have these hippies that lived upstairs for me, and not like the cool old hippies who were actually hippies back in the day. Mm-hmm. Nope. These are the nouveau, no shower taken, patchouli wearing hippies. All those ones, yes. You know, whose parents, you know, they, they, they come from like upper middle class and have absolutely no concept of what it's like to do without. Mm-hmm. They had, at rough estimate, 5,000 dogs living upstairs with them that were all black labs. Because yes. a black lab is a good apartment dog. Of course. And these What's people, fun? like, I don't think they were assholes. I think, by and large, they were nice people. But they were so fucking cluelessly inconsiderate that I just wanted to beat their brains in. Mm -hmm. They would, like, sit up out on their balcony playing their fucking guitar until four in the morning. And it's like, really? You know, I'm glad that you think that you're fucking Jimi Hendrix, but my ass has to get up and go to work at my shitty job in the morning. Maybe you could shut the fuck up. So I finally, you know, after being polite didn't seem to do any good i would just start screaming shut the fuck up at them and it seemed to work because they'd go inside it's like who and the thing is is you know there were families with kids living in this shitty apartment complex i'm sure they weren't real eager to listen to the hippie serenade that was going on and it wasn't like one person with an acoustic guitar it was like five people with acoustic guitars what the shit? And somebody with a fucking tambourine. I'm not kidding. Apparently it was Woodstock next door. Apparently. No, upstairs. Oh, Oh, my they God. were so fucking obnoxious. I hate that shit. And then, they, you know, you tell them, you'd be like, you know, you're keeping, oh, I'm really sorry, but nothing would change. It was like, oh, my God. So uh, we did. Yeah. Well, we would, we would passive-aggressively get back at them, though, on the, the weekends. We'd have massive barbecues because they were, of course, vegan. And we would just cook every, you know, any kind of chunk of flesh we could find. Oh, I bet they loved that. We would sizzle, you know, and make sure the smoke wafted upwards occasionally. That's So they could awesome. smell our charring victims before we consumed their flesh. <laughs> well, the simple truth of the matter is, is, you know, if you're going to be, if you're going to be rude and you happen to be a vegan, you're going to lose out to your carnivore neighbor every fucking time. Yeah, well, like I said, I don't mind vegans as long as they don't rub it in my face. Well, like, I don't mind vegans as long you. as they don't fucking keep me up until 4 o'clock in the morning. I'm saying... That's true. Yeah, I'm gonna have to agree with you on that one as well. I'm saying, if you're gonna start shit, don't have something that can be easily exploited by your neighbor. Because <laughs> the fact that you're a vegan does not disturb me in any way, shape, or form. But it will disturb you when you can smell my steak sizzling on the, uh, the Weber <laughs> So kettle. let that be a lesson to you vegans who, uh, think they're Jimi Hendrix. Of course. Oh, God. That was, let they that were be so a lesson to you. And then they, their dogs were completely untrained, and uh, they finally got in trouble because they would take their dog. There was a, the apartment was set up um, sort of courtyard style, so you'd have, you know, all of the apartments, the back doors, faced a courtyard, basically. And so they'd take their dogs down to run in the courtyard, but none of them had any social skills whatsoever, and they finally ended up biting the manager's nephew. 
Oh, shit. Yeah. And um, they didn't, I mean, they, they hurt the kid pretty bad. Like, he wasn't, like, you know, life-threatened or anything, but he had to get stitches. And apparently this was the third strike. This was the third time that dog had attacked a child. And I think they, I don't know if the dog got put down, but I know there was talk of it. That's sad. Because, you know, in most I counties. I hate that bullshit. Just take responsibility, Well, exactly. Dude. And it's like, dude, if your dog doesn't play well around children or other dogs, then keep your dog on a leash. It's that easy. But they weren't leashed. They would take <sighs> it down so that they could wrestle and play in the courtyard. And it's like, I understand. Your dogs need exercise. But you're not the only fucking people Take them to a complex. goddamn dog park. Well, we don't have anything like that in Ellensburg. But, but, or, or a park. Well, take them for a walk. Anything, yeah. Take up jogging so you can run with your dog on a leash. I mean, ride a bike with your leash tied to the... There are options. The bike, you know? Take up rollerblading. <sighs> this was not the only option possible. So, yeah. They ended up, their dogs treed my cat, and that was finally, that was the last straw, and Remington was no longer an outside cat after that, but I ended up falling out of the tree trying to get him, and I landed on my ass on the concrete on it after a 12-foot drop. Ugh. My butt hurt so bad for yeah, the next week. you didn't week. break your tailbone. I probably did, honestly. Oh, I totally sound like my mom when I said that. Well, my mother did break her tailbone, so... That's <laughs> just my mom. You were lucky you didn't break your tailbone. <laughs> flu shot yet <laughs> there you go yes i did actually so uh to wrap it up verbs recommend oh totally totally i recommend over i here. recommend so totally. uh i figure i'll okay i'll save my my poltergeist uh, story for next podcast yeah why don't we wait till that because we already ran almost uh, like you know three hours this yeah, time around we're so. two hours 20 minutes right now oh yeah we better wrap it up so, okay so um, tune in next week and it, we, we will uh, we'll get this released as soon as possible yeah, we, um, oh, before I forget, because I really have to, because I keep thinking, oh, we did that already, and we didn't, because we didn't release the episode, because it got fucked up. Right. So, um, well, I want to say, first of all, um, our editor, our old editor, the Gare Bear, has gone MIA. Yeah, if you guys, know, uh, if anybody knows him, could you please let us know if he's okay, because we're getting a little yeah, worried. Yeah, we're worried about him, because he hasn't answered our emails, uh-uh. and we just, and it has nothing to do with, oh my god, he's not editing. It just, we're worried about him. He's such a yeah. sweet guy, and we just want to make sure yeah, he's okay. Yeah, we just want to make sure just, he's okay, basically. We love you, Gare. Please let us know you're all Please. right. And, um, I want to say, um, our editor who has stepped in bravely, yes. oh so bravely, yes. is, um, my, my actual real-life friend, Lou. Who's a great who, guy. He's a great guy. He totally stepped in last minute when we had, like, episode nine hanging in limbo for yeah, fucking ever. Yeah, and, and man, said, oh, You know what? I got it. I got it for you guys. And he kind of took care of us. So thank you, Lou. Thank you so much. You are we a lifesaver. We'll send you porn of some sort. I don't know what kind yet, but I'll it's figure gonna, out what it, you it, like. It's, it's not going to be good porn, but it'll be porn. I know where you live, and I'm sure I can get into your room. <laughs> well, that wasn't <laughs> creepy or anything. The sad part is, is he actually might like that. I don't know. Now, he would Will like you like that, the... Lou? Give me a call. Send me a text. Let me know. What's your opinion on the blue waffle, Lou? No, that's not something, Lou. We <laughs> want to keep you as an editor. That's true. Oh, the sad part is, is I was telling Lou, I was all like, Lou, you know if you step up to this, we're going to give you shit on the podcast, right? He's all, oh, I can take it. Yeah, oh, we'll God, see. I hope you can take it because yeah. we need an editor. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Because I tried editing with GarageBand. And, you know, I have a theory. I like Apple. I'm not anti-PC. I don't hate PC. I like Apple, however. I, I don't really subscribe to the platform wars. I just like Apple because I yeah. like it. I, I like it. iTunes. I like the iPod. 
I'm trying to get my parents to maybe get me an iPad as a graduation present since I should be graduating from college this June. You know, I, I use a Mac. And by and large, I think their products are good. And I think that because they have so many good products, they had to have one really shitty product to, like, that's offset it. And that's GarageBand. Uh, yeah. I fucking hate GarageBand. I don't know it's how to use it. Band. I've tried to figure out how to use it. And apparently you're supposed to already know what you're doing before you use it. And that was clearly not me. And there it is. There it is. So, uh, a second weekly fuck off to yes. uh, GarageBand. Garage Band. Of course, we say this now. It's going to fuck up this episode. Yeah, again. probably. Probably. If that's the case, fuck it. This isn't being at episode 10. We're just moving on. Yeah, no shit, man. Like, fuck the world yeah, after that. I, if, if this fucks up again, I'm going to see if I can somehow uninstall GarageBand and install something else. Oh, I don't know well. if it'll let me, though, because it comes pre-installed, so it might be bundled to my hard drive. Uh, talk to <coughs> Lou. He knows about Max. Right. Okay, so, well. But thank you, Lou. Big yes, thank you, Lou. Big if anyone sees you. Lou commenting on our, you know, our blog or anything like that, give him kisses and loves and tell him how awesome he is. Yes. He is. Thank you, Lou. Uh, recap, if you want to get in touch with us, if you want to send us an email, comments, we love emails. Oh, and we have to read one. Oh, yeah, way. shit. Okay, so, real fast. Go ahead and pull that up. I'm going to just let you know how to contact us. Go ahead. Uh, you can contact us at our blog, which is creepykitch.blogspot.com. Remember, kitch is spelled K-I-T-C-H. It's misspelled on purpose. I'm going to say yet again to rhyme with bitch. <laughs> You can also find us on Facebook if you just Google Creepy Kitsch. You can find us on iTunes um, just by putting in the search Creepy Kitsch Podcast or just Creepy Kitsch. Yeah, we're the only and you can also email us at creepykitschgals at gmail.com. And we love emails. Eventually, we're going to set up a, G- uh, a uh, voicemail. I actually think I figured out how we can do it. Oh, so sweet. I need to discuss that with you and Roy when Roy comes on to record with us. So, okay, awesome. Because um, Roy figured it out. If Roy can figure it out, we can fucking figure it out. Uh, so, um, so definitely um, drop us a line. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you think about the movies we talked about. Let us know what you think about our um, perverted rantings, or if you also would like to uh, screw Oliver Reed on the lawn. Yes, let us know. So we'd like to hear or, hey, it. Maybe, awesome. maybe you'd like yeah. to nail Karen Black. That's cool. Yeah, maybe you just actually think I'm a total bitch for saying she had a funky face in the first half I'm of that sorry, movie. sorry, but she did have an eye that tended to roam her face. She did. I love her to death. I, she had a weird eye in that movie. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, people. Well, like I said, I'd rather have a weird eye than the. I would, I'd rather have a weird eye than fake boobs. Amen. So I'll say that right now. God bless you and Godspeed, Karen Black. Yes, to you God and your wonky speed. eye. All right, so, so we got a real quick email here from Metal Mikey. Metal Mikey! He's has, the only one who ever writes this. Yes, um, who has his own. No, I will say this, and I'm going to post these on the blog. Huh. We got two awesome co- costume pictures. Hey, sweet. One of post them, them from our Canadian ris- uh, listener cut in. Yeah, in her, I saw those. Um, those were scary great. Godmother costume. I saw that. That was awesome. And yeah. uh, if, I, if I remember correctly, cut in is the Chien de Tumeur du Québec. Yes, the Thunder Bitch of Quebec. Yes, she was, because I am the Chien de Tumeur du Washington. Yes. <laughs> See, those five years yeah. of French, they paid off. We love you, Karen. Thank you. I'll post the pictures. And also, I just want to throw this out here if anyone wants to. If anyone has a really kick-ass Halloween costume they want to yeah, show up, I'll for these things. Email it to us, and I'll post it on the blog. Yeah, we no want to do a, we want gonna, do a whole blog post on Halloween costumes. I will do, I will do a blog post now on the two we got sent. Um, I don't have the email open on... Um, the other person, but they sent us this bitchin' uh, Jurassic Park costume of oh, him at 
Grant and his girlfriend as the T-Rex. Oh my god, that's great! It's fucking awesome, it's in the email. I okay, don't remember you his have name, to... I have to look it up. <coughs> you have to post those to the, the blog I sometime this week. I will those, so if you have a kick-ass um, a Halloween costume that you're Or really any proud of, other kind of costume. Blog, so please send, please <coughs> send us a picture. Yes, okay, so to the email. So, this is from Metal Mikey, who has his own awesome podcast called The Action Attraction. Check him out. Uh, Dear Stace and Sins, at long last, the heavens decided to grant me a new Creepy Kitsch episode. Yeah, sorry about that. We were kind of spinning in limbo for about three months. Sad to say, I may not have as much to say as I did in my last letter to the show, but come on, you think I was going to leave you lovely ladies hanging? I'll even pass on my two cents, even if they are only a mark that's worth of two cents. So we learned in this episode that for Stace, Charlie Brown equals masturbation. Is it just the Christmas special, or is it all Charlie Brown holiday specials? For example, on Halloween, would you have already found the Great Pumpkin's treats by searching your field? Uh, <laughs> people are fucking fixating on Charlie Brown and my masturbation habits. No, I was not masturbating to Charlie Brown. I just happened to masturbate while Charlie Brown was on. It's not the same thing. Oh, and you know what? You just say that, and everyone just instantly goes, Oh, she masturbates with Charlie Brown! Yeah, I know. <laughs> I a story. I shall go on full record to say that women with glasses, very much hot. Sorry, those without glasses, but you lack that certain edge that a pair of specs can give you. It's true. I'm well, very hot in my glasses. You. I don't have glasses. I'm very hot in my glasses. I think I'm hot. Uh, Vincent want me to put on glasses for you, Mom? Like, you yeah, probably I totally should. Will. I totally will take a photo of the glasses. <laughs> We'll just go to uh, Claire's. Just to get your approval, Mikey. <laughs> we'll go to Claire's and get you the, the frames with just the glass lenses. Yes, I will do that. I have a pair. There you go. See? There you go. Take a picture. You look all intellectual I and totally shit. I have horn-rimmed glasses. Wow, that's them. tragic. You have horn-rimmed oh, Anyway. Okay, Vincent Price was so damn smooth, he probably could have talked even me into smoking his pole. Probably <laughs> all wish to sup at the wang of Vincent Price. Yeah. And speaking of your episode content, yeah, I've not yet seen either movie. I would probably angle more towards The Abominable Dr. Fibes. Your show was the second one I've listened to that has talked about said movie and with very glowing opinions. Plus, there's something about the review that brings me to uh, that brings me to mind one of my favorite villains born out of semi-tragedy, Dr. Doom. Okay, that's really all I got. Cannot wait for episode 11, Down the Pike, and cannot say enough about how entertaining you both are to listen to. Take it easy, bitch and kitchens. Sincerely, Metal Mikey. We love you, Metal Mikey. Love you, Metal Mikey. And you should totally watch The Abominable Dr. Fives because it's fucking awesome. It's a fucking awesome film. You'll love it. Totes. And Metal Mikey, thank you for being the one guy who always sends us emails. Hells to us the yeah. Pretty. Yes. And uh, Gray from Dark, Dark Hours, if you're listening to this, you better send me a damn email or I'm, <laughs> I'm going to say you don't have the most adorable podcasting voice in the world anymore. I'm, I'm going to give that to Metal Mikey. Well, I'm sorry, but I think You Metal may Mikey, lose your, your throne, Gray. You I, may lose your I throne. I have to say, I think Metal Mikey's voice, I think he wins for cutest podcasting voice because... He's got that adorable Midwestern yeah, accent. He says, Hello there. Hello there. <laughs> so this week on the action attraction. <laughs> I don't know. Gray, Gray's voice does it for me. Gray is adorable, a, but so is he has Metal an adorable Mikey. voice. And so, like I said, if you don't write in, um, if you don't write in, or at least just send us an email saying, "I think you're pretty too, Cindy." Then. <laughs> Bear in mind that Cindy's married, and this isn't going to win you any punani. It's not going to win you any points other than you will just, like, you know, live in esteem. You'll have stroked You'll have stroked He doesn't want, he's his shameless flirt, please. You'll have stroked the ego I'm just one of many. I'm one of many in Gray's (laughs) menagerie of women. His his harem of married women. I'm nothing special to him. I'm just another toy in Gray's love factory or whatever you want to call okay, it. Okay, now you're angling, dude. 
God damn it. I don't know. I'm tired. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I think we should wrap it up there. I think we really should. So we'll see you guys next week for gay horror. Gay horror. Butt sex. Muff diving. But not together. Oh, yeah. Well, not really. Anyway, good night, everyone. Good night. Like a bad girl should.